This episode of Tapping In is brought to you, as always, by Contenders Clothing. Brand new drop, too. Brand new shirts, hoodies, and hats. Make sure to check them out. And also, be sure to use promo code TAPPINGIN20. Save yourself 20% on the hottest, freshest, officially licensed gear out there. Once again, that is Contenders Clothing. Promo code TAPPINGIN20. Odds are going to be stacked against you your entire life. Every single thing that you do is going to be a, a number, a statistic that you have to either break, get through, or succumb to. From the second you wake up, the second you open your eyes, everything you do is an odd. How do we defy the odds? How do you defy the odds? We're going to get into that and who has defied the odds before us. This is Tapping in Episode 55. Enjoy the show. All right, here we are. Here we are. Great conversation before the pod. <laughs> great conversation what part of it a lot of it we try to do all the conversations before we we get on the podcast it'll bore people so we talk about football and nfl drafts and like you know yeah of that nature <laughs> you know or we talk about things that that will bore our audience and the things that'll get us in trouble at home with our spouses now you're talking get those out of the way there it is there get it is the way. wow i don't know i mean when you <laughs> When you start talking along those lines, I, it, it's like, and I don't want to like be the person that teases an audience here, but God dang. Listen, the people that know me know, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll give this as an example. Nah, I'm not going to share it. I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> but there, <laughs> like my wife like understands, like, you know, I'm an animal. <laughs> I'm an animal. There's, but there's no you appreciate around. the hell out of her. Oh my God, I love her. My wife and I really make it a point to like let each other know like how we appreciate each other. Because cool. it goes so it goes so unsaid. Yeah, like, it really like does. So much. You know, like you just get in the routine. You take of every it for day. granted. You really do. Yeah. You really do. And you don't realize that, you know, even though yes, it's a part of their norm and it's it's part mm-hmm. of their life, right. it's still effort. Like, you know, like it's effort for my wife to be home alone with the kids. How many, I'm gonna even take a different dinner. I'm gonna even take in a different area here. Okay. Like, I don't know why, but my wife is really into the Kardashians and she's like binging this show. I think it's like the new one's like two seasons worth. And I just walk in and kind of roll my eyes towards it. But I kind of say, all right, don't be a jerky husband. By the way, I'm not going to be cursing much anymore. I know people really like that, but yeah, we're reeling it back. <laughs> so we I wanna, say, well, we want to eventually put this on video and YouTube demonetizes you and, you know, try to yeah. make some cash off this eventually. Uh, so what I was saying is like, I walk in and it's like, I don't want to be the jerky husband. So I'll sit there and I'll like engage in Kardashian kind of like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, who's that? You know, what, what are they doing? Wasn't she married to so-and-so and this and that kind of, and I'm like, dang it, man. You know, <laughs> I get, listen, I get caught up in all of Steph's shows. Right. I got, I've gotten what caught up. Steph's three, okay. three shows here. It's more than three because right. we're big Netflix people. So okay. it's like whatever's in season. But I will say this about her. Huge Desperate Housewives. Wow. Not, is it Desperate Housewives? No, real, real Housewives. Housewives. Where though? I mean, there's Atlanta. She there's likes Potomac. The Jer- she is- likes the Jersey, Jersey one. ones. Okay. She does. Blech. So you're talking about, what's her name? Judas or? Uh, Teresa Judice. Teresa, yeah, yeah. Judice. Okay. Uh, she likes the other one. I forget what her name is, but whatever. Okay. She went to like her, <laughs> she went to her shop in North Jersey. Right. Oh wow! The, the one girl—I can't remember her name. She was so excited to go. Oh man! It's like a little girls' day with her friend Melissa, <laughs> who I love. I love Steph's friend Melissa. Okay, like probably Melissa was into this too. 
Oh yeah. Oh, like geez. Melissa's probably like one of like like top two, top three. So like what Steph is the attraction on that show? I, I I mean I you really have to get into the female psyche. I don't understand what it is. You're into that. I mean you're certainly into it more than I am. I really don't know. You grew up with all women for God's sake. Yeah, but I don't I don't know. I think Bill Burr does a whole bit about it where like women okay. rather see other women just tear each other apart <laughs> than watch the WNBA. See, I, I don't, <laughs> that could be. Yeah. No, I think the thing is with at least with my wife, I think she really likes that sort of lifestyle, you know, just the idea of like having sort of like unlimited cash and, you know, unlimited travel, that kind of thing. So I'm going to agree with you, okay. but I think, I also think I'm going to rephrase. I'm trying to work on something that they taught me at work. I'm going to agree with you. And I'm going to say that it's not just seeing that rich lifestyle. It's also seeing that these people have everything. And they're just as crazy as the rest of us. Okay. All right. So, so she I likes the drama. It, it, it's the drama and being able to say like, hmm, look at her. If for a minute, you can feel like you're slightly better yeah, yeah, than that yeah, yeah. woman who's got, you know, the big house and the husband mm-hmm. on the on the steroids and Do all that stuff. Do you think they also like imagine that they're a part of that crew? That's what I sense well, too. let me get like, it. Like, like I said to Lane, I go... Pooks, do you think you could like walk in there and say, "Oh, hey, Courtney, hey, uh, whatever the frig their names are," uh, like what's going on? Like hey, Courtney for the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Kim. Hey, Club Club. <laughs> I'm saying. I'm like, is that what like is that what really do it for you? You know that Maybe. kind of thing. And I think that's what they want. They want friends like that. I don't think they want friends like that. I think they like to believe that they have friends like that and that that's what their life is like. It's kind of like when guys watch sports and we're like, bro, when I was all counting in 84. Exactly. It's like, because deep down you still believe. I was going to get like, to the guy thing too. That's you. But like, think about it. Like every girl, like I shouldn't say every girl, but when they get together with their friends, it's always brunch and mimosas <laughs> and this like, why? Like, why are you drinking champagne and and orange juice right, i'll tell you why i'll tell you why okay because because it's, it's delicious i know no 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 what i was going to say is i think they like the little touch in the head you know the little uh, the little drunk not too drunk okay because that opens up you don't have to be so like controlled you know tucked down you we gotta get let a, things loose a little bit we have to get a woman in here without a doubt. i got questions i have questions without a doubt help me understand this so so let's let's continue going back to that question. So she okay. loves the Real Housewives. Okay, um, she is a Kardashian fan, but she really loves like those typical cheesy, like boring romance movies. All right, give me an example. Like Love Actually. I mean, she what are was, we talking here? So big fan of Bridgerton. Okay. okay. Wow. Bridgerton. That sounds now, way too PBS for me, dude. It's it, it's wild. Um, and then I started speaking in a British accent when I was watching that movie <laughs> to try to get her all hot and bothered. I'm and like, it, Pooks, it, if, it if someone's not getting shot in the first ten minutes, I'm out. Yeah. Well, like he would say things like, "Madam, it's time to enter the boot hole. Where I shall kiss your lips until you reach the pinnacle, the peak, wow. your climax." And I'm like, "This is the shit you like." I'm like he basically just said I'm going to take you to the bedroom tell you not one. Yeah. But anyway, he you know, he was, you know, a beautiful chocolate man with a British accent. Oh my god. Um, I didn't even know that was, was even on. So that's Bridgerton. Uh the other one Wait, wait no, 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 hang on one second before you get too far. What is the attraction there? Is it just like I'm the... going to get to that. Okay. This is my theory. <laughs> okay. Got it. 
Okay. Now she's watching Emily in Paris. I heard. Okay. Horrible show. Okay. Horrible show. The other one that she was watching was this show, uh, The Kissing Booth. Even worse. Wow. But here's here's what I told her. Because I get caught up in these shows. Because, you know, when I get home, I'm not like, hey, change this. I'm like, all right, what are you watching? I'll watch it. <laughs> exactly. Next You're a good husband. You know, I get caught up in the show, too. Wow. I'm like, well, this is well written. But, you know, I, I start cheering for certain romances. It is what it is. So she's watching Emily in Paris, which of all the shows she's gotten into, I can't get into it. It's okay. just, I just, I don't like it. What's the gist on that show? I'm just like. Young woman goes to Paris to okay. restart her life, starts a career working for some fashion agency or something of that nature. Okay, right. that, that makes right. some new friends. Okay. So now very like sex in the city got it, in got Paris. It. All right. That's pretty cool. A, it's not. So. <laughs> It's not. We got into a little bit of a debate or a discussion last night about it. So I'm watching this one episode and the the main character like falls for a chef and she's also best friends with his girlfriend, but she didn't know when she met him that they were dating and they're having like a dinner like outside on, on, on the Ave. Okay. And there's no one else around. It's just them and like, you know, the six of them, the six friends. Now this is this is in Paris. In Paris, yeah, right, I'm sure know. that happens all the time. All the time, there's no one yeah. around. You're just outside, yes. you know, just outside on the street. Three o'clock in the afternoon. There's no tourists. Of yeah, course. there's no tourists at all. Okay, so that's why I told Seth. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you realize like the, this is such fantasy. It really is. She's like, and I was like, but this is what you enjoy. <laughs> she called I'm you like, out on that. I'm and? like, you enjoy the fact that this is a woman falling in love with number one. If you're dating a chef, they're probably not going to be available on a Saturday night. Yeah. And most chefs aren't very even keeled. They're usually very like, go, 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 yeah, go. They, work, they work hard. That's Absolutely. the lifestyle yeah. they have. I was like, so like, like a chef's not going to look like this guy. You know, most chefs are covered in tattoos. Number one. Like they're not gonna look like him. Yeah, absolutely. They're not gonna act like him. So let me guess. His name is Jean Luc. It's something ridiculous. <laughs> You're probably right. So I'm like, so you you have this fantasy of like, you know, being in this romantic city with your girlfriends and love interest and everything's mm-hmm. beautiful and perfect. Right. She's like, yeah, like that's what girls like. I'm like, that's funny. I'm like, just know that to you, that's what like an action movie or a Marvel movie is to me. A life of excitement and danger where I save the world. I was like, that's our fantasy. I like that. Excitement, danger, saving the world. Right. Your fantasy, friends, boyfriend, no one else. <laughs> I was like, do you see the difference? I'm saving the world. You're eliminating the world. I was like, you see? She goes, end. So <laughs> I get home last night. I must have missed a couple episodes because now Emily is with some new dude. Okay. I'm like, Steph, how long has her character... By the way, is Emily hot? She's cute. All right, because that's I think that's another part of the fantasy. She can't be smoking hot. You're she 100% right. She can't be right. smoking hot. No. And she's just batting way above her average here. Like she's going for that guy that's like in the top 1%. Yes. And he's yeah. falling for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the movie 16 Candles. Yes. And the girlfriend's always way hotter. Of course. Always. Like, you remember 16 Candles? Let me see. I, was, I might have been like, I wasn't born yet. No, you weren't. No. <laughs> Come on, dude. You got to see it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I know the movie. I know the movie. I have not seen it. And it's Best looking guy in the school falls for the, you know, the mm. nerdy chick. Yes. But he's like dating the smoking hot yes. cheerleader. Yes. And the girl can't understand like how is she, I mean, it's a really well-written movie. How does she replace the cheerleader? Yeah. And he's, and he says, 
uh, she just doesn't understand me and this and that. And I'm like, I just want someone to listen to me. Yeah, exactly. Shut, <laughs> take Shut a, up. Take a backhand. Shut up. <laughs> At 17 years old, you don't want a girl to listen to you. No, you just want another notch on your belt. Yeah. You just want something. Right. But so I get home last night and. Well, just one last thing and then yeah. I'll make you laugh. There is a scene in that movie, 16 Candles, where the quarterback turns to the offensive lineman. He goes, what do you think of so-and-so? And the guy looks at him like like he's nuts. He goes, I don't think of her. You know, that's a, like how weird it was. It's a Hughes film, right? John yeah, Hughes? John Hughes. Dude, he owned the 80s. Absolutely. Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club, uh, Some Kind of Wonderful. Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Great and, movie. Oh, fuck. He killed it. He killed it. That movie. That I saw that movie. Pretty when in I was Pink. Like, you know. Oh, Pretty Pink's a great movie. Yeah. Again, Molly Ringwald. The Brat Pack. Exactly. You know? Uh, Breakfast Club. Great movie, Breakfast Club. Uh I love that movie. Everybody lived it. Everybody lived it. Let me tell you something. That's true. Yeah. I went to summer school Mm -hmm. after my sophomore year because I failed geometry. And I got to tell you, best summer ever. Because I became (laughs) friends with kids I would have never become friends with. That's true. That's true. So now if anything, you know, got a little randy during school, not only did I have some of my football player friends, now I got some of my my roughneck friends who I knew from summer school. It's true. They're like, how do you become friends with him? I'm like, bro, we both failed geometry. <laughs> he never showed up. I forgot to, you know, hand in some homework. He failed with a 24. Right. I failed with a 65. Like, it is what it is. <laughs> I missed it by a point. So, Absolutely. So I'm like, Steph, how long has this Emily character been in Paris? She's like, mm, I think like less than a year. That's my wife's impression. Mm, I think like less than a year. And I was like, how many dudes has she hooked up with already? <laughs> and she's like, three. I'm like, who? So she tells me three. I was like, at that, that, you forgot the brother. And she's like, oh my God, four. I'm like, damn. I'm like, she's racking up the numbers. She really is. So she's like, Ugh. but if some dude hooked up with seven girls in one weekend, oh you think that's okay? God. I'm like, Steph, slow like, your roll here. I'm like, I agree that it's a double standard. Big time. But, but, <laughs> but it's different. It is. I was like, do you know what you have to do to get laid? Say yes. Dunzo. Right. I was like, it's hard for a guy. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's a lot of work that has to be done because you guys were wired to be the gatekeeper. But like, she's going for the guys that don't have a problem getting laid. Right. Okay. I mean, right. Jean Luc is not having a problem, you know. Oh no, he's, finding a girl. No, he's making. He's serving up crepes and ass all day long. <laughs> exactly. Would you like a crepe and a croissant? He puts the ass in croissant. Um. But so I told her, I was like, Steph, there's an old Chinese proverb that says a key that opens many locks is called a master key, but a lock that can be opened by any key is useless. (laughs) (laughs) Just shut the, shut the podcast down right now. That's a mic drop line. (laughs) She's like, she's like, we're done with this conversation. (laughs) Because I don't agree with you. I'm like, that's fine. I'm like, just know Emily's character is going to get married to poor, some poor dude. Yeah. And at dinner, their first date, they're going to sit down and get to know each other. He's going to tell me a little about yourself. And they eventually be like, yeah. So like, so like I lived in Paris for a year. You know, I want to try something different. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, get a little bit more culture. Oh, how was that? You know, I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. You learned a, <laughs> lot, a lot about dick is what you learned, <laughs> exactly. Emily. Like you were just, you were doing it. Good for you. That's every guy. Every guy, every girl. Yeah. I went a little crazy. And then I went to college and like, you know, things got a little weird for a while. Yeah. We know what that means. We know. Let's fast forward. Let's get, let's get to, where were you a week ago? Let's just ignore. Right. Let's ignore. 
Because every guy, I don't care who you are, I don't care how long you've been yeah. married, we all, all of us. Yeah, I've, I've uh, played a They got bit. a story. Yeah. They got a, they got a time in their life. Absolutely. Just listen. I tell people all the time, I don't give a shit who sat in this in this chair before me. All I know is that when I sat there and I pulled the lever, I hit the jackpot. There so it is what it is. Nice. Start from today and move on. Everything before you should not Your matter. body. Yeah, but all right. All right. Wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. There are a lot of people that are making money out on the internet now talking about this whole thing of girls not having a high body count. And by the way, this is not what the uh, podcast... I know, uh, we really took a left. This yeah, is Steph's fault for Emily in Paris. Well, I, I just... I feel like a I lot should... of these people are saying, do not be the girl that has the high body count. No, you don't want to have... Do not be the girl that, you know, unfortunately gets you know pregnant and has the kid young and, and you know, you're going to have to play in that, that field at that point. It's really, you know, tough. It's unfortunate because... it is a double standard. Here, it's, it's 100% a double standard. And the, the thing is this guys mistakes you know and you know my father's a perfect example you know he had two kids he was out he just kept living his life right my mom had two kids she had two kids yeah you know she's got to carry so that weight they got it you know women literally have to keep their baggage with mm-hmm. them where guys can just drop the baggage off see yep. you later it is unfortunate but you do have to make these decisions because they will impact you you know mm-hmm. and, and, and you don't realize this until you get older but Man, like for women, that like gets a small window from 25 to 25 about 35. To 35. Yep. 10-year window to find the right friggin' oh. guy. And I've I've seen it with girls where like, you know, they'll date a guy for like eight years and then they don't get married. And then you know what happens? He marries the next girl he dates mm-hmm. who's like 25, 26 yep. years old. They're, they're engaged the in 18 months. Yep. But she, sometimes they don't recover. They don't. They don't because now they're like, well, I want a guy who, you know, hasn't been married, doesn't have kids. It's like, right, but you're not going to find that at 36, 37. And if you do, ask some questions. Of course. You find like a 35 to 40-year-old guy who's never been married, has no kids. Mm -hmm. There's something going on there too. Something's going on. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if you do find that, it might also just be a guy who's accepted that bachelor life and isn't going to walk away. I... The first time I lived alone on my own, I lived with Steph. Right. That was the first time we lived alone, was together. So we got to learn about living independently, aside from like college years, which right. isn't really the same. Because, you know, there's not a bill. Um, at least not a monthly rent bill. You know, we got to grow together and figure out how we enjoyed living together. I tell all the time, if I would have lived on my own first, I think it would have been very difficult for me to adjust that lifestyle to now having to live with someone else. Oh, yes, else. absolutely. Um, you know, but that's just me knowing me. So, you know, it, it, it is a difference. And unfortunately for guys, you know, we get shit on all the way up to about 25, 27. And right. that's when it starts to turn the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you suddenly know? become what you are aiming to become. Right. And look, all I could say is, is this, as far as guys, it's the message that you're getting as well. There's a lot of guys that are being told do not get married because it's a bad business, deal. A bad contractual bad thing. business deal. However, if, and girls are getting the opposite message, which is, listen, you got from 25 to 35 to really pull this off. Lock it up. But here's the problem. They're also getting the message that, yeah, but you, you can be a career girl. You know, you can go for the top one, 2% of guys out there, but the top one, 2% are guys are not at that age. They're no. at my age. They're at your age, you know, 40 on. 
Well, here's the other thing. The top one, two percent of guys, you know, or the men who are in that top two percent, they don't want their significant other working. That was just going to be my next point. A lot of times they're looking for the secretary as opposed to the other lawyer in the the office. Yeah. They want that trophy wife at home that they can show off to their friends. Like, why are you in the office? You should be at Pilates. Mm-hmm. You know, it's now you're looking. It's not just about. So the messages are getting really, really mixed up between the two sexes. It really is. I, and I, I remember when I was in high school. And this is again. It's amazing. There's any marriages at all now that I'm thinking about it. Well, it's the, it's going down. Yeah. Less and less people are getting married. Right. And even fewer people are having children. Yep. That's another story. Uh, so I remember I was in high school and, you know, introduction to political and legal education with Miss Cohen. Mrs. Cohen. Phenomenal class. And she would bring in guest Sounds speakers. Sounds like one of mine. She was. Okay. <laughs> she was actually half Jewish, half black. Nice. And her kids, gorgeous. I remember nice. she brought, I think I've mentioned him on the podcast. She brought her I son in one day yeah, and I was yeah. like, get this guy the hell out of here. I was like, none of us are getting late if this kid's here. <laughs> oh, you should have seen. And she told everyone. She goes, my kids are very good looking. So she goes, I'm not saying it because they're mine. I'm just saying my son, gorgeous. Such a pun Oh, he walked in all like 6'3", Jack lacrosse player. You know, he looked like the rock. I love it. You know, Jewish, black, like, you know, more Jewish because the dad was like, you know, pure white Jew. Right. And just, you know, they were drooling over him. Drooling. I was like, get this kid the fuck out. Then her daughter came in. I was like, oh, see you later, girls. (laughs) I was like, Jesus Christ, this was good. But anyway. mix. So she brought in a uh, an attorney one time, a female attorney. Okay. And, you know, she did a very good job, this attorney, of, you know, breaking things down. She's like, this is the reality. If you want to be a successful attorney, you're going to work X amount of hours. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, if that's what you want to do. You want to be partner, big firm, you know, this is what it's going to take. And she's going over all this stuff. And I'll never forget, I'm not going to say her name, but this one girl in class was like, question. She's like, sure. She's like, if you're doing all this for work, you know, how do you how do you fit, fit in your family? Right. And she looked at her and she goes, "You don't." You don't. Yeah. And you could just see this like look the whole of, idea of getting it all is out the window. Yes. Like like someone just pulled the curtain from under mm-hmm. her. Someone just took all the air out of her out of her wings. And she was like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Well, if you're going to have a family, you can still be a lawyer." But you're probably going to be working at a smaller firm. You know, yep. this is probably what you're going to be making, mm-hmm. and it's going to be very different. But you know, you can have your family. It's you know better quality mm-hmm. of life. She's like, but if you want to be a big time lawyer and you want to be at a firm, you want to make this amount. She goes, uh-huh. it's, it's very different. She's like, well, why can't you have both? And I'll never forget. She looked at. She goes, I'm sorry, sweetie, that's just not the way it is. Yeah, you can't find a guy to put up with that. And she told a story about how like one of her kids, one of her coworkers' kids, got held up in Cuba. They were over there doing something for college, right. you know, some like protest or whatever. And, you know, she she was going to leave to go to the embassy. And they were like, you need to finish this. And she was like, my kids, like in an embassy in Cuba. Oh, wow. And they're like, we understand that. But if you leave, do not come back. Yeah. They don't give a shit. People, well, they shouldn't. That's, but that's the working what, world is the working world. If you want to get you to pie in the sky and say, it shouldn't be that way. Okay, yeah, we right. could all say that, but it's not That's the real not the way it world. is. It's not the reality. Yeah. Why you, do you think they, they, they talk about the gender pay gap all the time along those lines? They're not comparing apples to apples. They're comparing, they're saying that like, you know, I have the same job as this guy and I'm being paid 72 cents less or, or 23 cents less than him. That's not what's happening here. What they're saying is that the guy 
works longer, is willing to take the more dangerous jobs and this and that, and then they're comparing it. Yeah. That's where the, uh, the disparity comes through. And yeah, I used to, as a recruiter, I see it all the time. See, you have very good insight on that because that's mm-hmm. literally what you do for a living. I have good insight on good-looking things, <laughs> I, on on musicianship, a little bit on BJJ, and obviously but on you, career. But you see that in careers where of you're course. like you're trying to line people up for jobs, and you realize like it's not always yeah. just well, Tim's going to get paid this, but Sam Samantha's going to get paid this. Like, that's not exactly that's the way not it works. At all what happens? It's, it's taking all the salaries, pairing them up, and it's like okay, but. You know, how many women are, you know, forklift drivers? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see a lot of women working how many on the docks. Or oil rig uh, guys. Right. How many of them are bricklayers? You know, it's just a different Truck apples to oranges. Yeah, exactly. And those jobs pay well. They pay damn well. Buck yeah. 50, 200, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it's, but what people don't realize is the idea of having it all is an illusion. It You're going to have it's to make a, a sacrifice yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Well, like even like, you know, Take me, for example. All right. right? Let's take you, for example. Let's take me, for example. It's very easy to look at me and be like, man, this guy's killing it. Not really. Okay. If you really do the math, there's a lot of sacrifices that I've made. Damn straight. My daughter's first two years, if it wasn't for COVID, I would have spent little to no time with her. Mm -hmm. She was born, and I would literally come home for 45 minutes between my job and coming to the school. I'd get home. They're in bed. Mm-hmm. I leave. They're sleeping. I'm not seeing my kids. Now I'm seeing them a little bit more, but even like a day like today, you know, like they know like, oh, it's, you know, it's Wednesday. Right. You know, they know Monday night. Daddy's got to talk to the old bald guy. S- see you Thursday, dad. Right. They know. So now, you know, I see them a little bit more. We have coaches for the kids class, but in the beginning, like. Yeah, but flip the, flip the, uh, you know, the uh, storyline here. Let's say you were a woman. You would possibly say, I'm not going to, you know, forego my family time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say because I grew up with a woman who worked her tush off, worked her ass off, Yeah, you know, and did give up a lot of family time, you know, which is why I understand why my mom is the way she is with the grandkids. You know, it's a pain in the ass. You can't just make up. Yeah. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. But, uh, at the same time, it's like, you know, I understand you know, those were sacrifices that she made. I saw her less, but my life was better. She was right. also trying to make up. She was trying to compensate for two parents right. by right. herself. So not all that glitters is gold. It's a lot sure. of sacrifice, and it's very hard to have everything. And if you're looking for everything in your own life, or if you're looking for everything in another person, mm-hmm. be prepared for disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, and you see it all the time where like women complain about their husbands that work too much. Yeah. He's never home. He's never home. But now flip it. Let him work a regular nine to five. He's home. Yeah. Next complaint is like, you know. You're not making enough money. Baby. I wish you did more for the house. Yeah. It's tough. I Believe me, I, I understand that. There was one other thing with, and I don't mean to really bore people with the whole Kardashian thing, but I did find this part interesting. So you will find it interesting. I'm ready. Okay. Um, I got a kick out of the fact that uh, who's who's the one that used to be fat that that lost a lot of weight? Chloe, she's my okay. favorite one. Okay, all right, she's the one with the sassy attitude. I like her. Okay, very very pretty girl. I mean, really really pretty. But conspiracy God. theory: she's OJ's love child. Have you heard that conspiracy or that uh, that rumor? No, I actually haven't. Oh yeah, there's she's a rumor. OJ's. There's a rumor that she might be OJ Simpson's love child. So OJ was with Cam or Chris then, mm-hmm. the mother. 
She was best friends with she Nicole. She looking at all. She was best friends with Nicole. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's very possible. <laughs> all right, anyway, so. Sorry. I, it, this is what bothered my wife when I said, why? Because supposedly she's having a kid with this guy, a basketball player, and she's all upset because he was out screwing around on her. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I said, why is she upset? She knows the deal. Okay. Yeah, it hurts a little bit emotionally because you think you're looking for some sort of idealistic relationship, Mm -hmm. but you know the rules and you're probably using this as fodder for the show anyway. You know, and my wife got all ticked on that. They get mad about that because she's like, no, she really, really invested in this guy and she thought it was going to work, yada, yada. And I'm like, pooks, it's, it's, you know, you don't want to say it's fake because it's obviously she's having a kid, but God damn, man, everybody knows that that kind of fame, they just feed off each other. You know, and I'll take it a step further. And I've talked about this with, I've talked about this with Steph and she hates it. She gets pissed off every time I bring it up. But the reality is, you know, this is just the way it is. When you get to the Hollywood level, elite athlete level, Mm -hmm. those people do not play under the same set of rules as, you know. That's what I was getting at. Tim and Deborah down the street. I know Tim and Deborah. They don't play by those rules. Different rules. Yeah. Tim's getting a little fat by the way. Yeah. If your husband is the star player for the number one team in the country Mm -hmm. and he's on every billboard, there's different. I'm not saying it's right. Right. But what I'm saying is there's different rules. Of course. There's different rules. Yeah. And guess what? There are also perks that come with being married to him. Exactly. You know, now people are like, well, what if your wife is the superstar? Okay. Then maybe there's different rules for that. But the reality is I, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it. You know what happens? Perfect example. You know, Jennifer Lopez. Okay. She likes to marry her background dancers. She's done it a couple times. I think she's done it twice. She was with like Mark Anthony, Affleck. Who was the guy recently? The famous Sean Diddy Combs. She's back with Affleck. But in between that, she she was engaged and or married. She was with A-Rod too. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. (laughs) She was. That's a beautiful couple right there. (laughs) That is good looking. Now that I hear that, I'm like, oh, that makes me sad. That's a power couple. It's a power couple. That's a Hispanic power couple, Oh, that is a Latino power couple right (laughs) there. They're walking into like, Uh, like South Beach. Oh, uh, that's like lighting the place on that fire. Is, that is the brown version of Joe DiMaggio <laughs> and Marilyn Monroe. It really that is. is. That is Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio <laughs> with adobo on it. That is, damn, I'm sad it didn't work out. But it's too powerful. They're both too powerful. They really are. They're too much. So you know, you know what happens with those couples? They don't even see each other. Yeah, they really do Because don't. they've got these. Yep. You know, she's making movies and this and that. And he's doing his thing. It's like, yeah. it's very, it's not, it's not normal people. They're not normal. All right, so is the marriage or is the relationship purely for, uh, I mean, obviously it's for sexual slash short-term reasons, but is it also to get fame on both sides, to continue to be in the news kind of thing? I don't think so. I don't always think so. Like, if you take in the case of, like, Jennifer Lopez and A-Rod, I don't think that's the case. You take J-Lo and Ben Affleck, that's not the case. I also think with these very famous and rich celebrities... There's very little risk because they've got such good lawyers. Yeah, you yeah. know the prenup is ironclad. On both and you sides, know the yeah. second it doesn't work, it's like, hey, it was nice while it lasted. Yeah, shake See hands, you later. Move on. Name a Hollywood couple that was together forever. Doesn't I, exist. I'm going to give you one right now. And I bet you they're not married. They are married. Actually. Who? Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. 
How long have ah, they been, there how long go, have they been together? I think it's about 10 years now. That's not that long. <laughs> I got nine years coming up. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming up on nine years this right. May. It's not that long. I don't know, man. That's... You know who is till together? Who's that? Uh, Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon. No, they're not. When did that end? Yeah, Tim Robbins broke it off in about like five, six, seven years, something like that. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that breaks my heart. Oh, I'm sure what about the other one? Uh, I No, you got to go back like old time. You got to get like Billy Goldie Hawn. and his wife. Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. They're there still together? They're still together. They're not I'm, married. Yeah, you know. Not married though. They're pretty much. They're pretty much married. A rabbi sure didn't, ta- didn't bless it, but whatever. You know. They didn't break the glass? No, they didn't break the glass. I know what you guys get down <laughs> on. I don't know. Question, why do you break the glass? Do you know where that, like, you got to know I know that. exactly what it is. Okay. I'm curious. Educate it, me. Okay. It's just basically in the middle of a very happy event, you need to still ground yourself and understand that the world can be a nasty place. So you so break it, glass. You break the glass. Give too. yourself some bad luck. There you go. Jesus. See, now uh, now the Gentiles know a little something more about oh, my peeps. Break the glass. <laughs> Speaking of uh, heaps, I was in Lululemon. And Ooh. yeah, I, I, I don't know. I want those like pants, those everyday pants. They're so great. I got, they're really amazing. Really. I highly recommend putting your ass into these pants. They're fucking oh, they're great. Nice. So I got a pair of those, but there was an ortho guy there and I said hello to him. I was telling, talking to Jensen about this. And like I said hello to him and he was like looking at me like I'm like a worm. Like I'm gonna kick your ass in a minute. In his mind, he's like, "That's what it is. Jew. That's kind of what it." He didn't even know what I was. Well, I said Shabbat Shalom to him, so he knew I was Jewish. But like, he's looking at me like I'm a worm, and I'm like, "I'm gonna kick your ass in a second here." Man, are you on like TRT? You're all fired up. I was a little pissed hi. at this guy. Yeah. So, um, I'm currently listening to an audiobook called "The Games People Play." Okay. And it's all about the type of behavior that we have, and. What happened right there was you got you did not have the transaction you were expecting. Right. So you're, the game that you were playing was a two-stroke game. Okay. And this is with how the guy breaks it down. Wow. Your first stroke was you say hello. Right. You were expecting a hello back. I was expecting a tennis ball coming back right. to me in a volley. Because there was that non-stroke, you now feel like... He's, he was not playing your game. Exactly. So now you feel like, why don't you want to play what I'm playing? Right. All right. So now your your child personality is what came out. That's when you're like, I want to beat your ass. That's that lack of control, that you know, yeah. exciting, that okay. just raw behavior. I'm with you. That is your child behavior, which was a result of your adult behavior, which was you giving to that, rationalize initial, it. that initial stroke of hello. Then he goes into how like, you know, if you have a coworker and you see this coworker every day, mm-hmm. and every day you go, Hey George, and he goes, Hey Bill, that's your game. You right. do it every day. I'm with you. Two to four strokes. Hey Bill, hey George, see that game last night? Sure did, and it's done. And then he goes, Now, if one of those players <clears throat> adds extra strokes, hey Bill, hey George, see that game last night? You know what? I didn't, but hey, what did you think about the debates last night? Huh? You just took the game and took it somewhere else. Okay. Now you were not prepared for that game that we subconsciously play with every single human And you didn't expect to hear that from George. Right. Okay. So now, like, if George keeps asking more questions, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> like, why is he asking me all these questions, all these personal questions? Like, meanwhile, right. you've known this guy for 10 years. 
and, and I was like, damn, I got people that I got, I play that game with every day. Right. In other words, you have expectations of your relationships and some are deeper than others. Right. Okay. Got it. Right. So you went to play a certain game. He did not play your game. Right. And they also talk about how this, you know, it happens in social settings as well. You know, if you're new in town and you go to a, you know, a house gathering. Right. And all the local housewives are in a corner talking about their husband. But you go in there and you talk about, oh, I, Bill doesn't do that. Bill's fantastic. Right, I love, right. Well, now you're not playing their game. Oh, she's full of crap. So what do they want? They don't want you playing right, their game. Yeah, so they find it. a way to get rid of your player. Yeah. It's a fantastic... I'm really enjoying it. That is Because cool. it is little things that we notice. It's human that, relationships. And it teaches you how to also, you know, play people's games. All right. So wait, get back to me. <coughs> Obviously, I didn't throw this guy a forearm shiver in his nose. No. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at him like staring him down at that point because he was like that is your child behavior it was it yeah. was I'm, I'm almost like tempting him to say something you know what I'm saying so I ended up saying you can't say hello back that's a th oh so you threw in another stroke yeah oh what did he do <laughs> he said hi and then he walked away oh so he gave you like a he gave me a like like a force stroke <laughs> yeah there you go force stroke oh my god a four stroke you hit him with one of those. Come on, just look at it. Yeah, just touch it. <laughs> you hit him with one That's of those. Exactly what it is. I you pulled were... my dick out and I said, "Yeah, you're like, come, it, on, come on, touch it, touch it, look yeah, at yeah. it." Yeah, circumcised just like you. Yeah, we all got brisked up in here. <laughs> we all got the same oil. <laughs> How do you even know what a moil is? Come on, dude. You I mean, surprised it's... the shit out of me when you know these words. I watched Seinfeld. Oh, you know <laughs> the moil. I'll tell you why. Where'd you find this boiler? Like? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I ended up like cooling down a little bit. Because you were at Lululemon spending one hundred and ten dollars for one hundred twenty-eight, but that's another story. <laughs> no, I let it go because I think orthos tend to like a bodybuilder. We're talking about orthodox, orthodox Jews, Jews, not orthopedic surgeons, no. or you know, no, okay. not orthodontists. Yeah, uh, I th they tend to two things are going on in their mind. A, because I know a lot of Orthodox Jews tend to act like battered wives. You know, they I haven't hung out with any, so this okay. Is, they this tend, is they to, tend to like act like battered wives. It's like, uh oh shit, this guy's gonna kick my ass or something. Like something bad is gonna go down here. Just leave me alone. Leave me alone. That kind of thing. A little PTSD. Yeah, a little bit. Um, especially in places like Brooklyn. Um, the other side is is. They genuinely think they are not better people, but just much more spiritually in tune. It's almost like when you go up to a bodybuilder at a gym, you know, mm. and he's like, dude, you're not lifting weights. I lift weights. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So, like, going, like going up to a Gracie Baja guy and being like, I don't, I don't wear the gi. <laughs> yeah. Like, I got ice. You don't wear gi. <laughs> you don't do jujitsu. <laughs> you don't wear gi. You don't do jujitsu. Yeah, gotta get out of here. So the two Gordon High and never the best. He don't do the gi. He's not the best. Hodgers, my guy. I mean, Hodgers the goat. Uh, Hodgers the goat. So that that's how I rationalized it. I calmed down by rationalizing this guy that way, and like maybe he didn't. You know, he sees this big dude coming at him, and you know, speaking Hebrew at him, and maybe he just didn't want to be a part of that thing. Or. He looks at me like I'm a worm. <laughs> like I'm not going to the temple on Saturdays. Or maybe like he's just not used to people saying hi to him. That could be. And it, it threw too. him off. It might have thrown him off his game a little bit. Like think about it. like I'm not saying hi to Orthodox Jews when I go. I'm not you saying hi. I'm not saying hi to anyone. No, dude. I try. I'm I in say and out. hi to everybody. I'm, like a, I'm big that way. I like that. <laughs> if it's midday, I'm not talking to anyone. 
Early okay. morning, early morning. I'm a big believer in starting hello? people's days with, you know, rainbows and sunshine. Good morning, good morning. Let me get that door for you. Rainbows, happiness. Oh, yeah. And- <laughs> I'm at Star I'm at Starbies. I'm like, you know what? Ring up the car behind me too. Use Just my look at you. Use my stars. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's not the movie. So now you're showing off. No. That's only in the morning. Okay. Afternoon, I don't give a shit. That car can <laughs> they can honk all they want. I'm not moving. I need my damn cake pop. Yeah, two angry kids back here. You better find a birthday right. cake pop for me. Uh, <laughs> so I was curious. Based on that, do you find that most people like you after meeting you? Oh, God. I've never thought about it. Yeah. I know I like myself after every interaction. Yeah, I think I'm the most charming dude in the room a lot of times. And it's like, why wouldn't they like me? I re- I'm like taking a sip of my coffee. I'm so unprofessional right now. Such an <laughs> amateur. Excuse me. Hold on. An iced Americano from uh, Paris. Paris Baguette. Baguette. Shout out to Rob, who owns that place. Good Shout dude. out to Paris Baguette. Bring some croissants. Good dude. Um, I don't know. I don't really ever judge my interactions like, oh, I, I think they enjoyed me. I have had interactions where I'm like, damn, I wish I wasn't quite as inebriated when I met this person. <laughs> um, for, so, so backstory to that. Uh, last week, I went to the Giants-Eagles game with Paul Payne. Justin Renda, or oh man, I just gave Justin's full government. Uh, Coach Justin and uh, a couple of their friends. Nice and good crowd. It was a great crowd, and we got there early. So as soon as you get there, Paul's like, "All right, you want to drink some bourbon?" And I'm like, ah. eh, "Of course." <laughs> so Paul's like, "Just say when." And I'm like, "When?" He goes, "Ah, come on, oh, sure." Let me tell you something, Roy. By the time we were done drinking our bourbon, right, having a cigar, and drinking a few beers. And we were entering the stadium. I'm hammered. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Now, who pulled this soiree together here? Paul did. Really? Paul did. He's got some connections. Uh, Paul, you dork. What about me? Well, you know what, Roy? You're right. not a Giants fan. He's anti-Semitic too. No, he's not. Okay. <laughs> no, he's not. You're, you're a New England fan. Get out of here. That's true. So. No, we had great seats. Uh, you know, of course, as soon as I get there, I make the you know amateur mistake right away. I've been drinking, and we have that's the other thing. We had a designated driver, which was great. Oh, that's great. Um, Paul's daughter's uh, boyfriend was driving, which is great. Okay, so he's very well behaved. He's also a six foot eight tackle for Lehigh. Oh, there you go. Uh, so you know, it was nice because boy, I never lost my crowd. I just looked for him, and I was like, oh, wow, well, <laughs> there we go. So. We go to the game. We get we're having a great time. I don't remember the game. I don't. I just remember I kept you know having a few beers. Because now I'm thinking I'm like oh, good seats too. Great seats. Oh, that was the best. Yeah, thirty yards. Otherwise, line. it's like way too cold, and you're like, fuck. Dude, I'm in like, thirty-five the yard level. line. Screw it. Thirty-five yard line. First level, like row fifteen. Oh, that's that's right. We're right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't see straight, but you know, <laughs> I know we're we're clear to where we need to be. Uh, so I I met uh his the person who was able to get us the tickets, you know, fantastic woman can't remember her name, but when we're done, I'm like, man, I wish I remember that interaction a little bit better. I think I was okay. But part of me is also like the fact that I don't remember. I hope it wasn't too bad, but I do know at some point I probably, when I was starting, I was like, I'm sorry. Like I really drank a lot tonight. Uh-huh. So just to let you know, like, you know, like Paul and I killed a bottle of bourbon, um, <laughs> you know, and had a cigar. The one guy who was with us never even made it out of the car. And we, oh we went to go God. eat at Applebee's. He stayed in the car. He was, Holy shit. Yeah, we got it in. 
It was a good time. Justin can handle his drink too. From whiskey night, I know he can handle his yeah, drink. Yeah, we we. I asked him. I was like, "How was your Monday?" He goes, "Not good." I was like, "Dude, my alarm went off at five a.m." And I was like, "Ooh, I might." I, like, if I had to do a breathalyzer right now, I'd probably fail. <laughs> You're taking my license. I was like, "Oh God." I'm like, I'm like, I hope I have enough PBA cards. But uh, no, it was a great time. Uh, so yeah, as far as that, like, I was, I was, I'm hoping my interaction wasn't too terrible. I kind of keep it okay, but. Well, I let me put know. it in. Let me put it in terms of BJJ. Like when you're talking about an intro mm-hmm. to somebody, and they're sitting with, you know, where I'm sitting right now, and talking to you. Every now and then, I mean, you have to play. You have to sell them on this whole thing. Art of the sell. And sometimes when they don't kind of like join, you're always like, "What the hell did I do?" You know. It does happen. Yeah. You know, it's like maybe I should have done this, but I also, I mean, this sounds terrible, but you know, at the end of the day you are running a business you are trying to get people to sign up so you do have to educate yourself so you know i i pick up some books or a couple audio books of things that i've heard that i think would be beneficial uh tom is always quick to recommend some things to listen to right uh so you know we're always trying to get better and work on certain things because at the end of the day if you can't close yeah you're going to close (laughs) you know and listen you know pete pete McHugh likes to say you know let jujitsu do the heavy lifting and it's like, and it will, and it will. The right. jiu-jitsu will keep them here. But if you can't sell it at the table, yeah. you know, they're going to go elsewhere. That's the thing. And a lot of the things that I've done with the academy are to help close that deal. I knew very early on that in the area, you know, I had the better academy. I And not to be like, oh, we're the best. But I just, I had that much belief in myself and my coaching capabilities right. and my personality. I knew that if you came here, you're probably going to get a lot better to what you would get at the other schools. So my next step was, you, you know, uh, Gary V says, he said something one time, he says, figure out how your competition can beat you and then make sure they can't do it. So I knew I had the better product. Now, when we hit that two-year mark, I knew I had to have the better packaged product. I knew that I had to win the second they walked in through the okay. doors. Part of the reason why we expanded why we did the floors and the blue mats and the new wall we mats. We created the aesthetics at that point. Create the aesthetics. So right away they walk in and they're like, holy shit, this place is nice. Then they take the class. It doesn't smell here. I mean, it it's not dirty, everything. Dude, yeah. It always smells nice when I walk in. Yeah. Here. You know, so now it's clean. It smells good. Everyone's friendly. I tell everyone when intros come in, I'm like, go talk to the intro. And now you don't have to do it as much, but. You know, it's a welcoming environment. Right. You know, we take care of each other. The mats are cleaned. You know, everything about it, by the time you walk in before class even starts, we're already ahead of the game. Yeah. So now it's like, sure, where are you going to go visit? You can visit the school that's just as big and just as nice, but it's not going to be the same vibe. Yeah. Or you can visit the school that maybe is just as good, but you're going to walk in and be like, why am I paying this much again? Yeah. Why is it smelling so bad? You know, here... You it's like around. a hotel. Like sometimes when I go in a hotel and it smells, I'm like, this is God. I don't care what, you know, five stars, four stars. I mean, this, it's just not a good well, product. People are paying for this product. Yeah. You know, and it's not a cheap product. So I want to make sure that when you walk in, you're like, yeah, I'll pay that. Right. It's got to be worth it. You know, would I have charged what I'm charging now at the old facility? No, not at all. Right. It's not worth it. You know, you're going to pay a lot more for, you know, the, the, the aesthetics. You know, the X7 yeah. than you are for the X3. Ah, got it. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yeah, so, but you got to make sure it's worth it. And it's right. got to be everything. It can't just be aesthetics. 
you got to give the right instruction. You got to give the right attention. You got to give the right care. You got to follow through on the, uh, the whole everything. thing. It's got to be everything. You right. know. Well, I love it. All right. We are trying to keep this thing to an hour 45, an hour 50 minutes, that yeah, kind of thing. But we'll see what happens. We'll try, yeah, let's just see how it goes. That you kind know. of thing. But I did want to uh, do one thing. Congratulate uh, Gordon. He Gordon is, Ryan. He is doing something that, or I should say he is following through on something that is really advancing the sport. Every time I hear him interviewed, he always says, my goal is not to necessarily go into MMA. My goal is not to necessarily, you know, win all these tournaments. Obviously, that's what he does, but it's to advance the sport. Which he is doing. Big time. Is doing. And, you know, that's always been his goal. His goal has always been. For a 25-year-old to have that kind of mentality is really rare. He's 27. 27. Anyway, he's still a young man. But his goal has always been to be the best in the world. His goal has always been to be the best ever. His goal has always been to transcend the sport, which the great ones do. And he's doing that. And he is getting sponsorship deals and recognition and mainstream notoriety that this sport has never seen. Mm -hmm. And he's doing it by doing a lot more than just winning. He has created this persona. He has created an image. He trains like an animal. He's dedicated every moment of every single day of his life to building something spectacular right? so that when he leaves and he's done, the generations behind him have a blueprint past the baton path. Yeah. And that's the most important part. It's not just that he's, you know, creating the blueprint. He's clearing the path, right? He's showing how marketable and how, you know, how much you can really make money off this sport for other people, make money for Dana White's, make money for the UFC, make right. money for flow grappling, make money for all these, you know, promoters. So that when the next man up is there, they can just take the torch and carry it. But you need someone to clear the path. Yeah, absolutely. And he is the first in BJJ, as far as I know. I mean, aside from, I would say, Hoist Gracie was the first BJJ guy to really put the sport on the map, as far as I know. He really is. You know, you since Hoist... And listen, that's not to say that there haven't been fantastic... There have been great. Guys. Marcelo, Hodger, the whole thing. But none of them have transcended the sport the way Hoist did and the way possibly Gordon can. Well, listen, I was at ADCC, um, 13,000 people sold out arena and yes, they were there for jujitsu, but they were there for Gordon Ryan, hmm. Joe Rogan, Mario Lopez, liver King. They were there for one reason and mm-hmm. one reason only to watch the King, to watch the King. Yeah. To watch greatness. To watch something that's you don't see, all right? right? You don't see someone that great in one field. Right. You know, think about the Michael Jordans. Think about the Tom Brady's, you know, Tiger Woods at his peak. When you get the opportunity to see something mm-hmm. spectacular, yeah, you got to take it. And, you know, he's very marketable. He's got a great look. He's got a great physique. He's mm-hmm. built like a and like personality a, is interesting to listen to. Yeah, and he's, and he's so got smart. something to say. Yeah, and he's not going to hold back. Yeah, I mean, you watch his uh, his videos, his DVDs. He's very and intelligent. the kid really, really explains things in a way yeah. that really cuts through the chase, cuts to the chase, and really you know gets the techniques across. My question on the whole thing is: is this, and it always comes down to what's the next step? 
which I don't think he wants to think about right now as far as, because he still wants to compete at the highest levels. Mm -hmm. But is there anybody behind him that can take the ball forward after him? And I'm not so sure I see that right now. I can't answer that for him. No, no, not for him. Is there anybody behind him that could take the ball forward after him? uh, Well, he has said in interviews. He's uh, such a wonner. He's such a, you know, like a, well, he's said in interviews that, you know, by the time he leaves, he believes one of his teammates will be able to carry it and take it over. You know, and you have, listen, you look at someone like, uh, you know, Giancarlo Bodoni, you know, Marigali. They have the look. They have the technique and the skill. You know, can they display the personality to take it to that next level? That's the thing. It's going to be hard. He, there's not a lot of Gordon Ryan's. That's my point. And I don't think there's anybody that can kind of fill the void. You know, let, let's let's fast forward three. They years might from not now. fill the void the whole way. Yeah, but they'll fill it enough to keep that bucket with something in it until someone comes along. Yeah, and there's always I hope someone. So. I hope so. I really, really but do. But here's what you got to remember too, though. Look at what this. Look at what Gordon's doing. You don't think the young generations are paying attention? They are. You don't think there's a 12 year old kid right now? Who in the next six to seven years isn't someone you're like, who's this 20-year-old coming out of California? Absolutely agree. He clears the field, but does he have Gordon's personality? Does he have Gordon's like transcending kind of Whoa. way about him? And I'll, and I'll give you an example. Uh, I'll, I'll say there has not been a person in MMA so, since Conor McGregor, correct. and that's been at least three, four, five years now to fill that void. Right, but has... Has MMA suffered because of it? I'd say it has in a little bit. There's no Brock. There's no Connor. There's no Ronda. You know, I, I can't think of a guy that's really, really kicking it out of the uh, the ball or you know, batting it out of the ballpark here in MMA that I really am dying to see. The arenas are still sold out. The pay per views are still getting bought. Yeah, I guess so. And that's what you have to understand. At the end of the day, when this is done. There might not be another Gordon Ryan. There probably won't be. That's what I'm getting there at. I don't think be. there will be. But you know what else isn't going to happen? ADCC isn't going back to being running gymnasiums. Absolutely not. I agree. He's taking the sport to a next level, and the generations coming up will be able to thank him. That I that I agree with. That I agree with. But I'm talking about that that one kind of like you know. Has there listen? Who fills those spots in anything? Yeah. Yeah. Those are he's a generational athlete yeah. in jujitsu. Yeah. Like you don't get everything like that. It's tough. You know, same can be said about John Danaher. You're not going to find a lot of people that are that dedicated to just coaching and learning everything. That's that's a great point. You know, we talked about earlier people who sacrifice for their their lives and sacrifice for their success. John Danaher doesn't have a wife, has no kids. Yeah. He's got nothing. I mean, even in by bo- choice, by even, choice, even in boxing, there was Mike Tyson. And then I can't think of another person that has filled that that kind of void. There have been great boxers, everybody mm-hmm. from Lennox Lewis to uh, Evander to Klitschko and this and that, but nobody has really captured the imagination the way Tyson did. I mean, you could say Tyson Fury's getting close, but it's not the same. Not the same at all. I remember when I was a kid, people wouldn't want to buy the Mike Tyson pay-per-view because like, I'm not <laughs> going to- It would end s- too fast. Yeah, they're like, I'm not yeah. going to spend 50 bucks to watch yeah. you know three minutes of a fight. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Think about that. Oh, I did all the time. I lived yeah. through that time. I absolutely yeah. know. I mean, when he lost to Buster Douglas in 1990, on February the 6th, by the way, um, it was almost like something was wrong with the earth. <laughs> it was like, what? Something went wrong. He lost? Yeah. Like, like, 
because I remember it was in Japan, the fight, and we got the news, and I'm like, this cannot be. This has got to be fake news. Yeah, I mean, listen, going back to Gordon, not to his conversation, yeah. he's got the multi-fight, seven-figure deal with Flo. Yep. He has his contract with the UFC Fight Pass. He has his sponsors. He has his DVDs. For me... Seeing him accomplish everything he said he oh, wanted to accomplish. I mean, it's been such a privilege to see it in real time. Experience it. Yeah. Talk to him along the way. And, you know, I'm proud of everything he's yeah, accomplished. It's the old thing that, like, who would have thought this kid that walked in with the punk hairdo was going to turn into oh, this? we knew. Oh, yeah? We knew. <laughs> Here's the thing. There was... And it cracks me up because when I open the school right away, people are like, so you see any like new Gordon Ryan's? You see? And I'm like, no, no. I've only seen one Gordon Ryan and that was Gordon yeah. Ryan. Yep. There was something different about him. Yep. I mean, you, you know? even saw his brother. Yep. It's, it's just, it's just him. It's him. It's not. It's almost like a, like, like almost like someone with Asperger's. Yeah. It's just, it's like so focused on one yep. thing and man, it's been great. I'm proud of you, buddy. Yeah. I doubt he's going to hear this, but proud of him. There he's it is, fucking doing it. He's the king. That's and anyone what... who doesn't like what he's doing, listen, you could take- I think, they all, I think everybody in BJJ now utterly respects him. They may not like a little thing here and there as far as his personality, but they, the way he dominated ADCC this year, or just, it's just too much, con- you don't need to convince anybody any longer. No. Well, he says it all the time. He goes, you know, before you say how much you hate me, ask yourself how much you got paid for your last match. You're welcome. Yeah. And he's right. Well, Connor says the same thing. Listen, it's red panty night, baby. <laughs> we got the Gordon Ryan fight. Um, I will say this. I have submitted Gordon Ryan, so. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. I don't care if he was a child. When it happened, it happened. It's there was facts. a kid that grew up next to me, literally next door. Okay. He got drafted in the first round of the NBA. Oh, okay. And I always used to say, just remember, I was the last guy to beat you in one-on-one. And uh, kid was 12 at the time, but it doesn't know. matter. Can't take it away. Facts exactly. are facts. I fucking beat the him. Reality's there. It happened. Beat him nine to three. What can I tell you? Yeah. Now, the last time I rolled with Gordon, um, I didn't even want to say it was a roll. It was just him <laughs> toying with me. And then I just ended with like horrible cramps. Cause he just kept like sidestepping my guard and forcing me right. to recover. Like I was a, like I was like, I do the little kids in the kids class. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, your abs are going to be killing tomorrow. And I was like, oh, leave me alone. this is the old line. There's levels to you. this. There's levels. <laughs> and he's on a level all oh, yeah. by oh, himself. Exactly. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. I think the best part about it is that at the top levels, even the guys like the Andres and, and this and that might begrudgingly say, Oh, you know, I would have beat him in my time kind of thing. Even they say, this is just a one-time guy. Yes. Once in a lifetime. Yeah. And I think his star is only going to grow. I hope so. I hope so, because that would mean the sport grows. It's going to. Yeah. It's going to. I mean, they're, you know, they're in talks of doing the next ADCC at uh, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. That's, Vegas. that's a that's a beautiful step up. Listen, the last venue was big. Yep. This is different. Yeah. This is big time. Well, the sport is just absolutely exploding. And people want a piece of it. Yeah. Listen, if you show people dollar signs. <laughs> Absolutely. They'll be interested. 
And I think they definitely showed that. So I, I'm excited for the next years. I'm excited for him. Yeah. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his mom. You know, and, and if uh, Big Gord was still around, you know, I'm sure he's smiling from somewhere. I think when you're a father of something like that, even you can't quite see it because you remember the kid as a two-year-old. Yeah. You know, you remember the kid shitting in his diapers kind of thing. But he he would be extraordinarily yeah. happy with the way this kid came out. I'm so, um, I'm just so happy for the kid. Yeah. I'm happy for him. All right. Well, there Congrats, Gordon. Um, the topic tonight that you wanted to talk about was defying odds. Defying odds. And we we started with someone who defied a shit ton of odds. But did he? He yeah. came. You, you know, you said you saw something in him early, though. Yeah, but here's the thing. This is a sport that, number one, so let's, let's take a look at jiu-jitsu as a whole, okay? There was never a lot of money in jiu-jitsu. Right. There was a time where, like, this super It's a fights, niche martial art. Yeah. Martial art. You know, super fights are, they're new. They're relatively yeah. new. You know, when I first started training jiu-jitsu, if you want to make a name for yourself, you had to compete in mundials, win mundials, and that was your super fight. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to face a certain person, you better make it to the finals. Otherwise, you're not going to see them. And then the super fight thing kind of, kind of came around, and people started to build a name for themselves, and then... With that, Nogi started. So the, the sport's been evolving. It's almost been heading in this direction. It just always needed a star, right? The sport has always been filled with stars that were Brazilian. Okay. So the fact that, you know, a gringo from New Jersey became the guy. Oh, I see what you're saying, defying the odds in terms of that. Okay, That's I hard, man. Yeah, no, it really, okay. really is, but... That's, That's doable, number though. Number two, it's doable, but how many guys did it? it That's what I'm saying. I Dean mean, Lister? Yeah, but... Lovato? Oh, okay, if we're talking about it in terms of who of the Americans or even the Europeans that have broken through, there is very, very rare. Very little. Okay, and, and rightly, and this is credit to the Brazilians, <clears throat> they, are, they are an incredibly talented... Uh, f- they're, they're bringing in the right people into the country and a lot of their people that did well ended up moving to the States and are training the next generation. And now the so US I, give, is... I, I totally tip my hat to the Brazilians and, and what they've done. But is there somebody coming out of Brazil nowadays? I don't know. That isn't training in the U S very surprising. You got a couple, you got a couple, but the U S is where it's at right now. So that's number yeah. one. Number two, this was a sport where the only way you can make money in this sport was to win a world championship or ADCC and then open up an academy. Right. Okay. okay. There was no BJJ Fanatics 15 years ago. You were not selling DVDs. For the longest time, you know, you could buy DVDs on Budo videos. Yeah. And that's it. Budo Jake. Yeah, Budo Jake. Build a Grill. That was it. Build a Grill Cooper had all the DVDs. <laughs> right. He was the guy. I remember Jeff Glover had a <clears throat> DVD. Uh, yeah. Like and, long ago and far away. You know, like YouTube videos, you weren't really seeing too much yeah. of it. So you come into an era where Nogi super fights and DVDs become available. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these are all things that just kind of slowly over time have appeared. And then you have this young kid who comes out of nowhere, right? Starts going to Henzo's training with John. He's the young kid who just shows up every day, gets his ass kicked by everybody. Just keep showing up. Keep showing up. at a young age too, 18, 19 years yeah, old. He's that. making this decision. What was the line that he always used to say just to remind people? Oh, yeah, he'd be like, like, get it in now. (laughs) Because one day you're all fucked. He was right. And we knew it, too. That's why I was like, I'm going to beat the shit out of him today. The day's going to come where I can't. 
Can you imagine, like, you're running the school now. Can you imagine some white belt kid coming in and saying, assholes, get it in now because I'm going to kick your ass, you know. He better show me something. Otherwise, I'm like, sit down and shut up. <laughs> but Gordon did see. You did. With Gordon, you could see it. Wow. You could see it. There was something there. He carried a fire inside that, like, not many people have. It was just something. I don't even know how to explain it, man. Yeah. You ever just, like, seen something or seen someone, you're like, that person's different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just, I don't want to say an aura, but there was just something different about yeah. it. You see it in their eyes and this and that. I mean, everything, the way he walked, his mannerisms. Like yeah. when he would say things like, you know, kids would say things like, I want to be the best. And you're like, yeah, okay. When he said it, you could tell that it was coming from somewhere deeper. That's what, uh, what's his name? It was coming uh, from his soul. Who the hell? T- I forgot what the guy's was. Uh, Angelo Dundee. That's what he said about Ali. The first time he met Cassius Clay. Clay, it was like 1959 or something like that down in Louisville. And he said, there's something about this kid. Like, I get the sense he's going to be great. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, I was fortunate enough to be his coach when he was, you know, a child uh, and, and rack up a bunch of wins at Grappler's Quest. So, he had to defy all the odds in a sport that really wasn't making a lot of money. Right. You know, so now, now they become the face of the sport and start making money and have one of the best, you know, debuts in ADCC. Right, because he's won eighty-eight kilo, ninety-nine kilo, ninety-nine plus mm-hmm. the super fight and the absolute. So in three eighty cc's, he's got five gold medals, um, and he likes to continue to defy the odds because he wants he wanted to compete in his weight class and do the super fight, which yeah. had never been done. Now there's rumors that he's going to do the super fight, a second super fight, and do his weight class at the next ADCC. Wow, he wants to just. All comers, right? He keeps defying these odds. He keeps defying these odds. He took a sport that was being done literally in academies and high school gymnasiums to, you know, potentially super arenas. Yeah. If you would have told someone 10 years ago, hey, this sport's going to blow up and it's going to sell out T-Mobile Arena and it's going to be on UFC Fight Pass and fighters are going to sign multi-year deals for Mm -hmm. seven figures immediately you would have thought number one that's crazy or number two you gotta be talking about like Hodger Gracie or someone like that Mm. you would have never thought about a white kid from New Jersey yeah but there's something to be said also about the fact that like I always said I mean a lot of attention was thrown his way for very good reason for his physical accomplishments and his sporting accomplishments but he also came at it from a personality aspect that really intrigues people you know, the whole thing of like, you know, predicting what you're going to do and putting it in an envelope for let's the announcers. Let's not forget the fact that he walked around with a crown for a long time. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, who thinks of that stuff? He did. That's my point. And he, that's what I'm saying. He's a oneer. So when I say like after him, you know, like I said, fast forward three or four years now, I don't know who's going to take over. And it will it seem derivative if they do, if they're all cocky and shit. Like everyone looks at the next cocky jerk off in MMA and says, oh, he's copying Connor, you know? Yeah, it, it's going to have to be someone who comes off as authentic. That's it. And that's going to be hard because yep. in order for them to come off as authentic, they have to be authentic. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something that you yep. will. And, you know, for as much as Gordon, you know, has this king character, a lot of it is, you know, it's him. It's something that's inside him. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, absolutely defied the odds to become a millionaire in a sport where, you know, there weren't millionaires. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you were making just enough to be able to afford your rent and, you know, train jujitsu all day. Yeah. Very, and and I remember looking at lifestyle. videos. I remember looking at videos of like Marcelo in the, uh, you know, mid to late two, uh, 2000, let's say 2008, somewhere in there, or even Hodger against Buchecha. Like this just, it just wasn't the same thrill behind it. That was the last, in my mind, incredible super fight. Hodger, can Hodger come back and take on Buchecha? Buchecha. Yeah. And, it, you know, he really proved himself. Like he handled Buchecha in that. Well, that was a time when, you know, if you watch, if you did jujitsu and you watch jujitsu, you'd be like, oh, wow, this is a great jujitsu match. But to the average person, you'd be like, what am I watching right now? Yeah. What am I looking at? And Gordon has always said that. He would always say the biggest problem with jujitsu is that the only people who watch it train it. That's he a said, great point. That's a problem. He's like, the NFL is the biggest sport in America. The people in the stands don't play NFL. Right. Maybe they played high school. He's like, but that's it. So how do you get the sport to draw people that are not involved with the sport? Yeah. And I will say with this last ADCC, you see it starting to grow. Now, do I think that there's things they need to do? 100%. Uh, Gordon's last match against Nicky Rod, not the most exciting match. Uh, you know, I don't want to say it's to Gordon's fault, but it wasn't an exciting match. With that being said, do I think there's things that could have been taken to prevent that? Yes. Number one, keep the EBI overtime. I'm fine with that. Keep mm -hmm. the UBI overtime. It creates tension. It creates tension. It puts people in bad spots. But regulation, you got to go ADCC rules. You have to. ADCC rules forces action. I think the culmination of Gordon Ryan and ADCC together is what's going to take the sport to the next level. Right. Because ADCC that makes a lot of sense. is the most exciting rule set. You have three minutes, no points, go nuts. Do it. Yeah. Now the next three minutes, there's points. But guess what? You pull guard, you're losing a point. You back up, you're losing right. a point. Absolutely. You run away, you're losing a point. Get in there. And then it's all about who initiates the movement. Okay, I go for Kimura, you defend, we roll through, we and it just goes, 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 goes. Because remember, if it stops for three seconds, now the position almost essentially resets. Right. So if you lock that Kimura, you're going to keep rolling and keep going until you get on top so you can get the points. It's such a fast-paced, action-packed rule set. It really is the best rule set. And it should be the rule set, I truly believe, for all of Gordon's matches going forward, especially the ones on UFC Fight Pass. He can command that. He, and he should command it, actually. And, and you know, the problem is it's the, it's the best rule set for him. He really likes those not no time limits. Um, but well, because he uses that to such effect. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to wear your ass out. But the average person is not going to watch a 45-minute match. Exactly. They want to watch a six-minute match. Nine right. minutes at most. Yeah. You know, He's also doing something smart. I'm sorry to interrupt, but he's also doing something smart by not diminishing his, or I shouldn't say diminishing, He's not taking the chance that Hodger did and Lovato did by going MMA. He's being smart about not doing that as well. But why did those guys have to go MMA? That's what I'm saying. The, I think they felt it in their whatever their psyche that you know this is my next step. Right. But it's not. For the longest time, that was the next step yeah. in the jujitsu hierarchy. That was the career path. Do this. Do this. Get right. really good. Get your black belt. Go to MMA. Really build your name, make some money, 
get your school. The only way you got any notoriety as a jiu-jitsu person was to go into MMA. You had to. That's the only way you broke through the sport. Gordon realized early on, maybe I don't have to get punched in the face. Right. Because there was a time where he did talk about getting into MMA. Yep. You know, he was working on his hands. He went on MMA hour. He talked about how he was going to transition to MMA. Then he won ADCC. It could only go downhill if you're doing MMA. It's like with, with Hodger. He so dominated BJJ, but when he got to MMA, he's he got tagged a bunch of times. He did very well until he faced... Uh, I know you're going to say, I forget the guy's name, but the it was Danaher that actually told Gordon, you don't need to do MMA. No. Yeah. He doesn't. And he didn't. Exactly. He did everything the right way, and he's making more money than so the most sport MMA is, fighters. the sport itself is beginning to stand on its own two legs, which 100%. is great. 100%. Yeah. And it's getting to the point where Gordon made a fantastic post where he said... You know, my contract isn't as big as other pro athletes, but it allows me to live my life sure. like a pro athlete. Hmm. That's what these guys have to realize. If you can start making some money off these matches, you can start making DVDs, you can build your brand, you can win enough matches, build the right titles. Well, now you don't have to be the guy who's working a job while running a school simultaneously. Right, right, right. You can focus on just training. You don't even need to open up a school to make money to supplement your training. You can just train. Yeah. It's a fantastic thing. And that in itself defied all the odds of this sport. Yeah. So if you go, if you take BJJ and, and just like put it down at the white belt level though, mm-hmm. defying the odds just in terms of joining up is an amazing thing to do. I think I saw a statistic the other day where only 8% of the population ever trained jujitsu. Okay. So I'm, I'm surprised know, it's that much. So just putting on your white belt. That's my point. Is already it's, a huge accomplishment. Getting your black belt, 2% of people that ever start jujitsu get their black belt, which means the percentage of the population that actually even has a black belt in jujitsu, even lower. Yep. Now, how many of those black belts become world champions? How many of those black belts become ADCC champions? How many of those black belts become Gordon Ryan? Gordon Ryan is one of 7 billion people. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Think about that. It's it's an enormous thing to even contemplate. It's wild when you really think about it. That's defying odds right there. Yeah. That's defying. I saw, I wish I could remember. It's like, you know, how, if you spent a dollar a day and every day you double it, or something, you know, how long would it take you to spend a million dollars? It was something, you know, like 30 days. Right. And it's like, now how long would it take you to spend a billion dollars? And it was like 30 years. Oh yeah. It was like years. 33 years. Yeah. I remember right. hearing that. Think about the significance of that yeah. being one in a million compared to one in 7 billion. Yeah. It's a lot. It's wild. It's great. You know, yeah. that's defying odds. Uh, in other things though. All right. In marriage, it's like when we said, when you told me, let's talk about defying odds, it's like I immediately came up with different categories of things. Like when you get married, there's a lot of people that say, ah, eh, they're going to get divorced. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, statistically, they're correct. Exactly. Or when these, when you see them interacting with each other and you're like, oh, they're going to get divorced. Well, I remember a couple episodes ago, you asked me, would I rather win the lottery or, you know, fulfill my vows and be married forever right and i told you i'd rather be married Mm -hmm. and and my belief is because you know winning the lottery yeah that defies the odds one way you know you were a certain number in the percentage you know (laughs) it was uh, you defied the odds Mm -hmm. in chance but to stay married 
That's work. That's defying the odds. That's effort. Yeah. You found a way to not kill each other and not get tired of each other. <laughs> that is The question hard. is how badly stacked is the mayor or the odds here? Like, is, is like, are you a freaking alcoholic? Are you, you know what I'm saying? Like, how, how are you going to stack these odds in terms of like surviving a marriage all these years? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out as I go. <laughs> you would know how to answer that better than me. I suppose so. It's like so many times, you know, my son or someone will say, dad, what, uh, you know, like, how did you do it? That's kind of thing. Exactly. You know, I, so I've got, this may will be nine years married and you know, how long have you been married? I, in January, the 21st will be 36 years. 36. That's yeah. 27 years. It's crazy. Longer than I've been married. Right. That's wild. I know. It is. That's like, you've been married four times as long as I have. <laughs> I know. So it's like, I know what it took Sometimes to get- I can't believe it myself. Like I look in the mirror and I'm like, how the fuck? I don't look like I'm 60 years old. You defied I? the odds, man. That's what I'm talking about. Because how many people around you have gotten divorced? You know, I, I, first of all, I, I know a bunch of couples that are still together. But should be divorced. But should be divorced. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I was talking to Pooks just a week ago and I said- Look around at every single one of your friends. Look around at every other marriage. I'm like, there's no reason that these people should still be married. Uh, I'll tell you what, Steph and I were talking. Uh, we were just kind of, you know, going down memory lane. Uh-huh. And I told her, I was like, just think about it. I was like, you know, we've been together 12 years. We've been married for almost nine. I was like, and it's it's nine years and a lifetime ago. Yeah. I was like, in the time we've been married, we've had friends get divorced. We've had friends lose their significant other. You know, parents have been lost. You know, children, unfortunately, have been lost. It's been so much in that short amount of time that yeah. when you really look back at all that's happened, good and bad, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. What's the next nine got in store for How us? How many of you make it more mundane? You're 12 years in with the same person, okay, but you still like her. Like over love. <laughs> there you go, it's man. It's important to like them. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't like them, life's miserable. A fucking A. Absolutely. Miserable if you don't like that person. I don't know. Now that's defying odds to me. <laughs> she know? still likes me. I'm surprised she still likes me. Okay. You know? Like, you're like, oh, you're so charming. You get me two nights a week. <laughs> that's true. She gets this every day. And I can be a bit much at times. A little overwhelming. Aware of that. A little overwhelming. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You know, a little bit too much dressing on the salad, but it is what it is. <laughs> Figure it out. All right. But then when I'm quiet, she gets worried. She's oh, like, is that the case? Okay. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Fucking tired. <laughs> My mouth that's, hurts. I've been talking all day. That's the old thing where the uh, where the girl says to the guy, what are you thinking? You know? And he's like, oh, It's never want- what they think we're thinking either. <laughs> if I wanted you to know, I'd tell you. Yeah, I'm thinking, do I really want to go take a shit right now or can I make it to the next commercial break? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So the same defying odds in terms of careers, like you're defying the odds of. Eh, Am I really, though? Slow down here. Let me let me let me just throw this at you. You have two revenue streams. Okay, you got the regular job and you have the school. Mm -hmm. All right. And this, both of them are doing quite well. Wouldn't you say that's like defying odds? If you if you came across a person, average person in the United States, do you think the average person is doing that? 
I certainly don't think so. There may be a guy that's like doing well, well, you know, he's a lawyer and he happens to own a bunch of properties or something like that. I mean, I don't want to say that the average person isn't doing it, but I, I will say this. I think if the average person isn't doing it, it's because it's not because they can't. Of course it is because they can't. You know, they I don't, don't have the imagination. They don't have the drive. They don't have the, the talent, whatever it is. There's a reason why the median salary in this country is about 44000 bucks. Uh, so they're just not trying or they don't have the skill sets. See, I hate talking about myself in this way. So right. I, I will say this. You can talk about me. Then. I will say this. Um, I'm aware of how the school's doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm aware of how other schools are doing with coaches and instructors that only have the school. And we're doing well. Uh, I'm aware of how people are doing with their career paths at my job. And I'm aware of what I'm doing. And yep. I'm aware that I'm doing okay i was working on the train one day this is when i was still i don't uh, yeah i was still on the train so the school was still pretty new you know because i i got promoted at work r roughly about four or five months after the school had opened up okay so for about four months like that first year uh 2018 i used up all my vacation days and sick days within like the first two months right because i was marking off every saturday so i could run the school hmm. you know i didn't have a coach you know i was right figuring on. it out so I got called into the train department, which was great because now I got weekends off. <laughs> like, thank God. Yeah. And, uh, but when I was on the train, I remember I was talking to one of my coworkers and he's like, he's like, man, you're up early. Cause at the time I would have to catch the, um, the five ten out of Trenton to get into New York by like five fifty five or something crazy mm -hmm. like that. So I'd be waking up at like four thirty, and He's like, aren't you at your school at night? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, dude, how, how do you do it? How do you do it? He's like, you know, we, we had Benny. Benny was a baby. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, bro. He goes, I think you're crazy. He's like, I th he goes, like that. He goes, he goes, I think you're nuts. The average guy would think that. And that's why they are where they are. Here's and... what I told him. I was like, I was like, I get why you think I'm crazy. I was like, but let me ask you this. I was like, what's your favorite TV show? And he goes, oh, I love this one. I was like, you watch it every week, right? He goes, yeah. I was like, all right, what's your, what else do you watch? He goes, ah, I do this. I was, like, all right. I was like, ask me what my favorite TV show is. He's like, what's your favorite TV show? I was like, I don't watch TV. Yeah. I was like, when you're at home sitting on the couch watching your favorite TV yeah. show or reading a book or tending to your garden, I'm not doing that. Yep. But I am building something else. I was like, you might think I'm crazy. I was like, I think you're crazy for wasting all that time. Right. But that's just the way I was brought up. It's the way you're wired. That's just the way I'm wired. My mom tells me all the time, she's like, when are you going to slow down? And I was like, you never taught me how to do that. Right. You taught me how to go. Well, I slowed down eventually. You like, know, right now it's not so bad. Work's pretty good. You know, I kind of got that in the bag. I know how to do it. Um, you know, things here at the school are going pretty well. You know, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I got okay. a, I got a buddy of mine that uh does venture capitalism and venture capital excuse me really really sharp dude okay has has a shit ton of money that kind of thing and we, i was just talking to him i said because i i'm you know kind of a student of psychology and i said what kind of people are you meeting with you know he goes the people i meet with are uber level achievers they know what they want they're going after it and nothing's going to stop them it's an honor for me to throw money at them because everybody else wants to throw money at them. 
But he said, do you realize how few there are those people out there? And it, it pains him to see, you know, when, when a person like that gets money and succeeds that they, people try and rip them and pull them down, yeah. you know? Well, it's because it's easier to blame your shortcomings on yeah. something else. It's and easier it, and to be like, well, they did that because of this. Yeah. It's like, well, it's a lot of hard work. You know, people can look, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about Gordon and mm-hmm. that was for good reason with tonight's episode. You know, people can look at him and say, like, oh, well, you know, it's because of this, it's because of that, it's because of whatever. And it's like, you know, if I was look born at the, six foot two, yeah. 200 something pounds, yeah. you know what? But look at the work. Yeah, exactly. Look at the work. You know, and even, uh, you know, Dana he, her trained me, I'd be dead, 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 dead. No, you but, wouldn't. But you got to look at the people he surrounds himself with, too. Right. You know, everyone there understands that they have a role. You know, uh, you know, Nat, uh, lover, you know, she's also his personal trainer. And he literally doesn't have to think. Like when it's time to get ready for breakfast, like he wakes up, meals are prepped, drinks are made. Like it, there's a there's a lot going on. You need a lot of support to be successful. And if the person's not there to help you get to your goal, they got to go. Hmm. Plain and simple. You know, it's very easy to look at what I'm doing here, but I say it all the time. I'm able to do this because there's a woman in my house right now who's taking on a huge burden. You know, she's taking on a huge amount of responsibility so that I can sit here and have a conversation. Meanwhile, while we're hanging out, talking, having a good time, she's prepping lunch for the kids. Mm. She's doing dishes. Yep. She's doing their laundry. She's cleaning the house. She's making sure the bills. She's allowing you to defy the odds. You need she's, that. She's greasing the wheels to, to And to do that, they have to put themselves in the background. Yeah. And become a supporting role. Yep. Which is we live in a world where people don't want to be a supporting role. We go back to, we were talking about in the beginning of the night where you want, you know, there are women who want to be that top 1%, mm. but then they're looking for men who are also the top 1%. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. You need one person to be the lead to shine and, and the one other person, person to be the support to be supportive. Absolutely. You don't, you don't get two actors in the same movie nominated for best actor in a leading role. Mm-hmm. One gets the lead. One gets the supporting. But if both do their job the right way, you're going to have one hell of a fucking movie. Absolutely. But you got to be willing to be the number two. You got to be willing to step back and say, go do it. You've got to be willing to tell your husband, I'll stay home with the kids. You go to Vegas and do what you got to do. And understand that while it looks like fun and it looks it's not. It's going to be 14 hours running on the mats followed by an hour and a half in the shower with hot water running on your legs because you're in fucking pain. You got to have that. You got to know when to not have certain conversations. I can't tell you how many times Steph goes, when you get him, I got to tell you something. What? Later. It can wait. Because she understands like, I can't do it right now. I have to focus. Is it selfish of me? Absolutely. Am I aware of it? Absolutely. Right. But guess what? We're not doing what we're doing. If it wasn't for the support that I get from her. So would you say defying the odds starts out as an individual thing? In other words, especially in sports, you have to prove yourself amongst your peers. Oh, yeah. But the next level of success, the next level of defying the odds is creating the team around you. Absolutely. You've got to have those people that can lift you up and get you there. Right. You've got to have those people who have bought into your dream. Yeah. You know, even with the school, like people talk about like how fast the school's growing and all this. The school's growing because of the people who support it. Those are the students. 
Every time someone signs up, every time someone comes to a class, every time someone makes a post on Instagram, that is you supporting the dream. Mm. That is you becoming a supporting member of what we're trying to accomplish. Right. The school defies the odds because of the people that support it. The school survived through COVID when it could barely pay rent because of the people that support it. You need that supporting cast. You also have to take a little bit of a leap of faith. I'll, I'll, I'll throw this at oh, you. Oh, 100%. You got to... No one's going to invest in yeah. your stock unless you invest in it first. That's my point. Yeah. hundred percent. It's interesting. When I talk to, uh, uh, I work with accounting firms and um, it's interesting when I get on the phone with a partner and he says to me, I'm looking to sell out and I say, okay, uh, how many partners do you have? How many, how big is your staff? That kind of thing. And inevitably a lot of these people say, oh, well, I just kind of kept it really simple. It's just myself and a secretary and this and that. In other words, they never, they started the, the uh, business, but they never built the team around them to take the business to the next step. Right. You know, and that, that, that always to me is, is an indication that either a guy did not trust the people beneath him or he didn't trust the fact that he could build something beyond just a one, ch- one man shop kind of thing. Yeah. So. That's a tough one too, though. It is. Like, that's kind of something I'm running into with the school where it's like, we're getting to a point where it's like, I might need some more help. Yeah. No, I get <laughs> Which it. Which is a great problem, but it's something you where it's like- You gotta find the right person. Then. It's the right people, but at the same time, it's like, it's five years of me doing it all my own, my way, where it's mm. like, like even with the podcast, like I was talking about the podcast and you know things that I want to do with it. And Matt Broad was like, why do you have to do all the editing? I was like, because I see it going a certain way. He's mm-hmm. like, right, but- you can't find a student or someone who would be an intern and help you edit the video, edit this. He goes, people will want to do it. He's like, and you give the final approval. Right. For me, that's, I'm still learning how to delegate. Ah, that's an interesting thing. That's another one. That's a whole other topic. It is. Learning when to delegate past the responsibility. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Say. You know, with, with the kids class, that was easy. Max showed some potential. I was like, Max. I now delegate the kids class to you. Right. Because I'm going to kill myself. And he takes it on. He's fantastic. To his credit, yeah. Listen, I know he listens to the podcast. I cannot say it enough. What he is doing in that kids class is fantastic. Yeah. And Um, at such a young age. It's great. Such a young age. He gets it. And the reality is if you want to be a successful school owner, you better be able to teach little kids. Yeah. You know, to me, we're like, when can I teach adults? Go teach the four-year-olds first. You know, right. uh, you know, with the exception of Coach Justin, all the coaches that have been here have all started with the kids' class. Right. If you can maintain a five-year-old's attention, you can maintain a thirty-year-old's attention. <laughs> all right. But it, it starts with the. I mean, today, you know, today I had to teach these kids what knees on the mat meant. Four-year-olds in mount didn't understand. Like, no, you're not squatting. Your knees on the ground. <laughs> right. It's like point to your knees, and they point to their toes. I'm like, oh god. But you know, you do your best. You know, you're not, they're not going to be world champs. They're four. They're five. <laughs> You know, do a jumping jack. That's amazing. So That's you know, amazing. So in, in terms of defying odds, in terms of, let, let's put it in a personal level, okay? Um, they're the guys that are, let's say, overweight. Mm. All right? How are they going to defy the odds? Put down the fork. Yeah, but that takes a lot. For some people, it does. Yeah. But How here, do you defy the odds of like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going on a New Year's Eve resolution diet here and nine out of 10 people in your life are saying, come on, dude, you're not going to do it. Here's what I truly believe with weight loss and things of that nature. Food, you know, alcohol, drugs, all those things are addictions. And some people have a very different relationship with food. 
And the reality is if you're someone who's overweight because of your relationship with food, you have to understand your relationship with food first. Mm. Why do you eat what you eat? Why do you eat the way you eat? Uh, you know, ever since I've been working with uh, Tim from Every Calorie Counts, uh, check him out on Instagram. That was one of the first things I noticed was my relationship with food. Like, sure, I've lost weight before, you know, but that's because, you know, I would diet to cut and do that. So right. I knew how to do that. Yeah. But this was a very different thing. This was not like, hey, let's do, let's lose 20 pounds in eight weeks and see what happens. This was, no, no, no. We're going to lose the weight slowly and we're going to learn how to make decisions right. to change our relationship with food. And it really was very different for me where, you know, perfect example, Saturday, Saturday, the New York Giants will be playing the Philadelphia Eagles. I will be watching that game. Hats off. I know you're a big Giants fan. Big Giants fan. I'm low-key big Giants fan. I don't post that all over my <laughs> socials. I'm not the guy that's putting 8 million like memes, but diehard Giants fan. I'm over not here. a fan, but I tip my hat. Diehard. Good team. And if, if you know me and you know me well, you know, diehard. Okay. Now, I know what I plan on eating that night. <laughs> I do. But I also know that there's going to be decisions that have to be made leading up to it. Right. Like, I know if I'm going to eat that, well, let's keep it very clean. You know, no little cheats here and there. No, no, no. Keep it clean so that now I can have that big cheat on Saturday and be all right. And then it's not even a cheat. You know, it's like we're still good, but the relationship has to change. If the Giants win, do you eat differently than if the Giants lose? That's what I'm going to eat during the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to scarf it down before the fourth, before the first quarter is done. Uh -huh. I got a feeling it's going to be stressful. <laughs> oh God. But it's going to be great. I'll I enjoy hope. it. I'm, always, uh, I, uh, I'm not rooting for him, but I, I, I happen to like a lot of the players on the team. So, uh, but they, they should know that. Yeah. But no, going back to define the odds as far as like with losing weight, you know, uh, really just breaking any bad habit it really, you have to go back to your relationship with what that addiction is, what it's holding you back, right. and then start reverse analyzing it. But none of that is going to happen. None of it. Unless you want it. Oh, without a doubt. But that's, that's, a, that's but the biggest thing. You know, part of defying odds is being able to see the goal and creating the path to the goal. But you got to say you want that goal. Bingo. Then you have to have that desire yes. to get there. I mean, like I, a bunch of times I say, I don't want to eat chocolate, but if there's chocolate in the house, inevitably I'm going to hit it and rationalize it. And it's such a stupid thing, but whatever. Chocolate's not giving me a problem. Chocolate gives me a big problem. Chocolate, ice cream, none of that's a problem. Pastries. <laughs> problem. Problem. Especially you put fresh dude, pastries. Are you kidding me? Oh, uh, you put like a cheese Danish on the countertop and tell me don't eat that. Uh. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. You might as well have left a kilo of cocaine on the table and told Tony Montana, don't snort that. Not gonna happen. I'm eating that fucking. <laughs> yeah. I'm eating it. Beautiful. I'm eating it. It's a. But it's. I just. I enjoy pastries. They're delicious. Um. So I think with a lot of the, the defying the odds, it first starts with you. You have got to want it, not just kind of want it. You got to want it. You have to believe it. You have to see it. Yeah. You have to realize that you're going to sacrifice and suffer and do the things that you nobody else would want to do to accomplish it. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, guess what? You want to lose weight. You're going to be hungry. 
You know, you want to stop doing drugs, you're probably going to lose a lot of your friends. Right. You want to stop drinking, you're probably going to have some horrible memories come back. It's just the way it is. Yeah. It's going to be painful. Change is painful. But on the other side, it feels fantastic. Hopefully the goal is worth it. Feels fantastic. You know? Listen, I did not enjoy having very little carbs over the summer to get ready for ADCC. But you know what I did enjoy? Squeezing into a size 34 pant. Looking fantastic on all those pictures. Wait a minute. You got, you're in a 34 pan. Good I was for, for ADCC. That's beautiful. <laughs> We're back in the 36, but <laughs> <laughs> back in the 30. It's holiday season. That's nice, man. 34. I got down show. 34. It was good. And I'll get back there. I'll get back there by the yeah, time summer hits. Beautiful. Beautiful. But, you know, it, you've got to want it. And I wanted it for my own personal reasons, things that were going right, on. Right, yeah. I needed it and I wanted it. Good stuff. You know. I, I was sometimes when I think, and this will be the last section on defying odds, but I sometimes think about in terms of politics, uh, you're going to get like 45% of the population that's always going to vote Democrat, 45% of the population is always going to vote for Republican. But then there's that 10% that need to be persuaded. And part of that defying odds is to be able to persuade them. And it could be, it doesn't have to be politics. It could be just about anything. Yeah. But you need to also persuade people of your vision. Yeah. You know, well, you know, you got to believe it first and yeah. people can tell if you're full of shit. Yeah. People can tell if you believe what you're saying, you know, you can agree. tell, you've probably, you've done, probably done it with your job. You know, people are like, I want to do this and this. And you can tell when they're talking, you're like, that's not what you want. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Like, like I, stop, stop. I don't want to talk to your dad. I want to talk to you right now. What do you want to yeah. do? I well, want to dance. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. You want to take a quiz? Let's do it. This is a 90s quiz. By the way, speaking of quizzes, I just finished my uh, IDP course at work. Got a nice little certificate. Instruction development program. I was going to say, what is IDP? Instruction, Instruction development program. I like All create right. tests, create exams, team meetings. Oh, so you're creating the test now? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. No, it's not. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> but at least now I can. How to structure a class. Just a bunch of, you know, just now when you be teach. better at what we do. Okay. Now... Are you looking to nail people? In other words, there are, there are teachers that want to create tests that really, really just like separate the... No. You, know, you are looking to really get these people to the next step. I want them to learn it. Right. I want them to know it. Okay. So when they take the test, they go, that test was easy. Yeah. And I go, it was easy, but not because it is easy. The instruction, yeah. That's my The information goal. is, no matter what you think of it, easy or hard, the, yeah. the information is in your head now. Yeah, like if I have students and they all take a quiz and afterwards they're like, that was tough. That was hard. I got stuck on this. That's on My you. first thought isn't like, oh, you don't know it. My first thought is like, what did I not do? Right. Like, why was that so hard? What did I miss? Yeah. And then I'm like, you know, let's go over it again. Do you what feel that questions? way with BJJ though? Yes. Yeah, when you thing. instruct? Yeah. If I walk around a room and the whole room's messing up a certain point, I'm like, that's on me. I gotcha. One person messes up. We'll, we'll fix it. We'll adjust it. You're probably doing something. But if everyone's making a mistake or making the same mistake, bring it back in. Yeah. Bring it back in. I always get a kick out of it when you say, I know if Roy can do that move, <laughs> it's not so far out of whack. Yeah, everyone can do everyone it. should be able to do that if that old fuck can do it. Uh, all right, here we go. 90s quiz. In 1990, there was a space telescope first made. What was the name of that? Hubble. There you go. All right, you're on your way. There we go. It's only 20 questions. What was the name of the monkey in Friends? Oh my God. Uh, I want to say like, it's not like Sinclair, but it's something <laughs> like that. I'll give you a hint. M. Marcel. Banga. 
Yeah, you got two for two, baby. Nine, 1991, they had the first democratically elected Russian president. What was his name? Mm, Boris. Or was it like Boris Yeltsin or something? That's it, like man. That. It was Yeltsin. Yeah, yeah baby. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. I'm feeling super smart right now. There was an ad campaign for a product in the 90s. And it was called, and the ad campaign said, hello, boys. What was that for? Oh, God. When I tell you, you're going to be like, oh, of course. Hello, boys. Hello, boys. Hello, boys. Hello, boys. It's a double entendre. Uh, I'm going to say Elizabeth Taylor's White Diamonds Perfume. No, it was with Wonder Bra. Yeah. That <laughs> was five. Gotcha. No, let's keep going. But I knew Boris Yeltsin. You did, man. <laughs> what does that good. tell me about my childhood? 1998, Larry Page and Sergey Brin started a company. What was the name of it? Larry Page and Sergey Brin. Was that Abercrombie and Fitch? No, baby. Google. Oh, <laughs> terrible. 1998. That's embarrassing. Number six, this Spice Girl wore a Union Jack dress. Ginger Spice. Bingo. I didn't think you, I thought you would think it was Baby Spice. Nah, Baby Spice wore a little baby blue dress. I know. She used to dress up like a baby. Yeah. Ginger was... Spicy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to need Benny in here to help you out with this one. But when Sonic the Hedgehog first came out, who was the bad guy? Doctor... Robotnik. There you go, man. Also known as Eggman. All righty. I'm like, I know he's going to get that one. Oh, I got that. Come on. 1997. What city did Diana die in? Paris. That's right. In the tunnels. How fucking weird is that? And the paparazzi just took pictures. I know. Yep. Scumbags. That's when the Good Samaritan Act started coming in. Good Samaritan laws and all that stuff. Yeah. And that was also like 25, 26 years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. Unbelievable. 1992. Name 10 players on the Dream Team. 10? Come on. Yeah, I know you got this. All right. We're going to go Michael Jordan. Go. Larry Bird. Two. Magic Johnson. Three. Uh, Clyde Drexler. Four. Christian Leitner. Five. Good one. Uh, Patrick Ewing. Yep. Six. Mm. Uh, Carl go- Malone. And who goes with Malone? John Stockton. There you go. That's eight. Who goes with Jordan? David Robinson. That's nine. And who goes with Jordan? Uh, Scotty Pippen. Bingo. There's your ten. Wait, I got one more. And uh, <sighs> You're never going to get this one. The you, white the white dude from the Golden State Warriors. Dude, you did get it. Holy shit. I want to say Dan Marley, but that's not his name. Dan Marley was a three-pointer. Dan Marley, Phoenix number Suns. nine on the uh, on the Phoenix Suns. I actually met him. Give me the uh, initial of the first name. C. From New York City. Chris. That's right. Chris. M. Oh, my God. M-U. I can't remember. Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen. Ah. But you forgot one of the names. Sir Charles. Yeah, fuck Sir Charles. <laughs> I love him. Now, I've actually heard great stories about Charles Barkley. I met the dude too. He's, I heard. He's wide like you wouldn't believe. So I, I met a young man who uh, played with Charles Barkley. Okay. Uh, I believe on the Rockets. Oh, wow. And he said that Charles was one of the best. Easily. He's, he said best athlete. Yep. Uh, he said took care of the young guys. Mm-hmm. If he took them out to dinner, Charles was paying. Uh, you know, he said one night they were playing an exhibition in Mexico. He said, "Boys, you're with me." 
said limo showed up and best night ever he's 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 a charles great 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 dude i mean like i said i i I was on a basketball court with him so uh he's huge like you don't even realize how big he is he's not necessarily tall but he's really wide i believe it yeah probably wider now but (laughs) you wouldn't be surprised all right that was actually really good i didn't expect you to do that 1997 what was the first harry potter book harry potter and the sorcerer's stone god damn it you're killing this I did not expect this. Let's go, baby. Let's go. I did not expect this. Let's go. 1995. What was the first item Amazon sold? Oh, that's a good one. I want to say like a pen. (laughs) Nope. What was it? It was a book. Damn. Makes sense. Yep. That was close. 1997. Tiger Woods wins the Masters. Mm -hmm. How old was he? I want to say he was 21. Damn it, right on the money. <laughs> Fucking hey, how did you know that? Come on, dude. Seriously. I know a lot of useless bullshit. Think about 21 years old. Tiger wins the, the Masters. Idea. That's crazy. So I'm going to tell you a quick story about Tiger Woods winning the Masters. Go. I remember when he won the Masters at 21 years old. I was in like seventh grade. Okay. Uh, and it was so cool because number one, like he was black. Number two, he was young. And like I'm like a 13-year-old brown kid in South Brunswick, you know, okay. he would wear his hat backwards every now and then. Right. He just seemed cool. Right. Like, he resonated with us. And I remember watching him win and then hug his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast forward, like what, like 25 years later, mm-hmm. he wins the Masters again. And now, instead of walking and hugging his dad, he walks off and he hugs to his, his son. son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had just, like, Benny was like two. Yeah. And I remember hearing that moment and realizing, like, the same way he's not hugging his dad and he's hugging his son and his life's going through all this. I'm now not that you know, yeah, 13 yeah, year old yeah, kid. Yeah. I have my own kid. I cried. Yeah. I pulled over and cried. I get it. I man. didn't sob, but like, like that moment really hit no, me. I get it. I really get it. I mean, I, I could care less what color anybody is, but he was just such an incredible, like, golfer i mean he really he, he was like secretariat yeah winning by 31 lengths kind well, of for thing. me and listen like like i'm puerto rican i'm not black but anytime i saw someone of color doing something in okay. a world where like i never saw people of color mm-hmm. it was always like holy shit i get it yeah. i can golf <laughs> like, like i didn't know like i was just like oh it's for white guys there's not too many hispanic golfers i mean chichi like, rodriguez was chichi the only rodriguez one. you got uh the guy from sevi ballesteros he was from uh spain you got Lee Trevino. He was from Mexico, but there's not too many others. Not too many, man. Yeah, you guys got to get out on the uh, on the course. They're on it. They're just not playing. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing it in baseball. I tell you that, man. Holy Dude. shit! So many Hispanic we we're superstars. Gonna, we're probably gonna sign Benny up for baseball. Of in the course, spring. he's yeah. excited. I'm like, dude, look at me. I'm like. You could be a pro baseball player. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I'm like, your name is Benny Benitez. It, it just I'm rolls like, you're right off ready the to go, kid. The Yankees are all. The We're going to sign you just on your name alone. The second they saw a burst of it, said Benicio Benitez. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Keep an eye on this kid. <laughs> Keep an eye on that. Keep kid. an eye on that kid. It's ready to go. All right, hit me with another one. Let's go. How many we got left? Uh, let's see. Yeah. I think I've only gotten like two wrong. Yeah, I know you're killing it, man. This is number 13 of uh, 20. Okay. All right. What is, I never even heard of this thing. What is a Tamagotchi? Oh, Tamagotchi. Yeah. It's like a little like keychain. We yeah. can keep the little thing alive. You have to feed it. Well, it what poops. is it? What do you mean, what is it? <laughs> like, what was its purpose? 
what was its purpose? I, mean, I guess this to thing's... teach kids responsibility. No, it was no, a toy. They said it was a digital pet. Yeah, it was a digital pet. It was like a little dog. You had to okay. feed it, there sleep. You go. I know what it was. Let's go. <laughs> Let's... My mom never got me one. No, no, because what was happening was a lot of kids became like really like obsessed with it. Did they like really? they'd wake up in the middle of the night like I gotta feed it, I gotta take it out, and then because it would die. Oh so you, wow! Like, it was like bah, bah, bah. And it looked like a little egg. It was fucking <laughs> weird. My friends had one. I never had one. Yeah. Well, you were denied these uh, pleasures in life. Uh, you know what? It's probably I was probably better off. <laughs> I think so too. Nineteen ninety one Gulf War. How did it start? Iraq invaded. Oh God, Iran. Iran? No, Kosovo. Kuwait. Kuwait. Damn it. <laughs> okay. I remember being around back then. It's like, yeah, first oh, grade was killer be for fucking me. kidding me because yeah. it's like the economy just took a nosedive. It went right into the recession at that point. That's how it happens. And like George Bush's dad was in office at the time, and like, why didn't we get? Why can't we get Reagan back? Mm. Uh, number fifteen, uh, nineteen ninety four. Um, Nelson Mandela takes over for who? Oh, I have no idea. You know, okay. No. Yeah, Dick Clark was his last name. Right. For Dick Clark? Jesus. <laughs> I was doing, <laughs> guy was busy. He really was. All right. We're Number 16. Slump. We're a slump. Okay. This is a hip hop question. 1990. What was the fastest hip hop record to, uh, to go to number one? It says here. For some reason. 1990. I want to say Will Smith's parents just don't understand. No. To the extreme. To Vanilla the extreme. Ice. Oh, God. <laughs> think about that, though. I know. Think about it. You think it was a, uh, a conspiracy there? I don't think it was a conspiracy. I think it's a lot easier to sell that type of music at that time when it was a white dude. I guess so. I mean, the other, the only other white rappers at the time, I guess, were the Beastie Boys. Yeah. I mean, they were really still under the, uh, under the radar. And they were really under the radar. And they were really about the hip hop life. Yeah, they were. You didn't want to see those kids yeah. on your daughter's <laughs> no. bedroom wall. But Vanilla Ice. Yeah. His name was literally Vanilla Ice. <laughs> like he was stupid. produced for suburban white kids to be allowed to listen to rap. I mean, he was, was he talented? I don't even know. No. <laughs> no, he wasn't. You're not even giving him the talent nod. Listen, I mean, he did a really good job pushing what he had to do. He made a lot right. of money. He lost a lot of money too. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's doing a good job recouping his career. He now flips houses. Yeah, I think he's like a carpenter or yeah. something like that. Yeah, ice sells houses or something like that. Good, you know, good for him. Good he stuff. survived. Tip he survived. of the hat, baby. Number 17. Defied the odds. That's he did for fucking sure. <laughs> and what's his name? Like Rob Van Winkle or something like that? Rob Van Winkle. There you go. Uh, 1999, the WhatsApp ad. What was that for? WhatsApp. Uh, Budweiser. There you go, man. Good job. Back in 1996, they cloned a sheep. What was the name of the sheep? I want to say it was something weird like George. No, it was a, it was a woman's name. Mm, that was the first mistake. <laughs> was it Eve? <laughs> no, it's Dolly. Dolly. Yeah. Damn, I should have known that. All righty. DVDs came out in the 90s. What does DVD stand for? Digital video disc. Bam. Killing it, brother. All righty. This is the last question. Here we go. 1999, the movie The Matrix comes out. Ooh. What is Neo's real last name? Oh, God. I'll give you a hint. It's not Smith. Anderson. Bam, you hit it. Mr. Anderson. I didn't think you'd get that. 
Yeah. How'd I do? How'd I do? <laughs> I'll give you the uh, quiz, man. I'd say you only got about four or five wrong. So that's what, 15 out that's of 20? That's fucking 20, great. That's so like a 90. 15 times five, that's 75. Is that it was? <laughs> no, I think you did better than that. If it was 16 out of 20, it's an 80. Right, right. Okay. All right. Question of the night. Definitely an 80s baby, dude. I know my 90s. All right. Listen, I'll, I'll quiz I'm you. glad I knew Boris Boris Yeltsin. That really shocked me. Oh, wait, you didn't get the uh, the Mandela one. With the, I didn't uh, get the Mandela one. And you, this one surprised me. You didn't get the Gulf War one. I thought you'd know Iraq invaded Kuwait. I feel like I wanted to say Kuwait for whatever <laughs> yeah. reason. Yeah. Too much, too many wars in my gender, my lifetime. Yeah. We've invaded a lot the, of places. Could you believe the 90s were 30 years ago, though? I can because I get reminded every day. Dude, think about it. My generation. Like, I still think about it like it was yesterday. It's crazy. It, so do I. You got to remember, though, my generation, we talk about wars. My generation saw, you know, American soil get attacked by a terrorist group from Afghanistan that led to us going to war in Iraq. Yeah. What? Oh, gotcha. How did that happen? Yeah. How did we end up here? Well, 16 <laughs> secret services said they had the weapons of mass destruction. What are you gonna do? I'm glad we found them all. <laughs> all right. Here's the big question. Name three, two or three things you miss from your childhood. Two or three things I miss from my childhood. Yeah. Oh, man. I know it's a heavy question, but we got 10 <sighs> minutes. It's an hour and 51. Three things you miss from so your childhood. So I'm not going to say it's my childhood, but definitely like high school. Okay. Uh, and I was actually talking to Steph about this the other day. You really miss high school? I don't miss high school. Um, I actually like, I really didn't like high school. Really? Okay. Yeah, I just I like wasn't a fan of it. What I miss is the idea that you start every single day with your best friends. Yeah, that's really cool. And all of our names are very similar. You know, those A, B, C, and then H. As far as last names. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So our lockers were all close to each other. Huh. Mine happened to be in the middle. So every morning we would all congregate at my locker. Right. So it was nice knowing that every day for four years I got to see my best friends at That's 730 really cool. in the morning. And then you knew you were going to spend all day together. Did you walk together. to school or drive or bus or what was it? Bus. That? Yeah. Bus. I walked to school. Uh, senior year I drove. But, you know, I do miss that part of my childhood. How far away were you from the school? Maybe like five, six miles. Oh, so it was a decent amount of time. Yeah, okay. but it was, it was, I, I would have to cross Route 1. Okay. I oh, made the wow. walk several times, but right. you know, it was always it was a long walk. Yeah, I was about a mile away from school. I wish. Um, so that would probably be one of the things that I would miss. Uh, How great was, were fucking snow days, though? Can I pick people? How great were snow days, though? Oh, snow days were the best. <laughs> like you These were. kids are spoiled nowadays, man. <laughs> they find out like the day before. Yeah, they send emails. And right. This, I, like, I remember, like, I still had to wake up. <laughs> exactly. You didn't like, listen to the right radio stations. Yeah, well, I didn't have radio stations, but, like, we had the TV. Okay. And I would have to wake up at 7 a.m. and wait for the bottoms, like, Middlesex County exactly. Schools. You're like, come on. All Middlesex County Schools are closed today. Oh, my God. Is that the greatest feeling oh, in the world? Or I'd see, like, North Brunswick closed. <laughs> East Brunswick closed. South Brunswick delayed opening. I'd be like, <laughs> No! Why? 90 minute delay or even, or even worse you start seeing all the 90 minute delays and your school's open right and my mom be like ah oh, get dressed yeah. and it was like that snowy white yeah. outside and like the clouds you're like i don't want to go to school exactly i was so prepared you didn't go to sleep the night before exactly because you saw the snow and you're like oh we're off tomorrow yeah. then you wake up and you're like where'd it go 
what, what happened to the snow? It's like, oh, it got warm at around 5 a.m. and everything <laughs> melted. <laughs> that was the worst. Going to bed with snow and waking up with like slush. Yeah. Like, we're going to school. Yeah. I haven't slept. I was playing mad until 2 a.m. Exactly. <laughs> like, I would, day. like, I would know that I was having school the next day if I saw the snow coming down, but I saw my driveway was still black. You know, oh, that, yeah. that means it was just melting it was when it, just hit melting and it hit the ground. My <laughs> sister would listen for the trucks. Oh, right. She'd wear, she'd be like, oh, you heard the truck? And I'm like, no, I didn't hear the truck. She goes, there's trucks. We're going to school. If there's trucks, we're going to school. <laughs> uh, definitely that. I mean, I definitely miss, I mean, I do miss my grandma's cooking. No, that's great. If I could have that, that's definitely something I miss. Just, yeah. I just miss my grandma in general. Yeah. I wouldn't mind having you one You miss the people her. that are no longer here. Yeah. Yeah. So that's for sure. All right, that's two. And then the third, if I could say something I missed from my childhood. I, You know what I miss about childhood? Everything was right in front of you. Okay, what do you mean? Nothing was behind you. Nothing was over. Everything was possible. Oh, oh, I get you. Like like the possibility yeah. of what you're going to be yeah. in life is still like ahead I miss, of you. I miss being outside, playing tennis, yeah. Across the prison wall, I truly you. believing I had potential to become a tennis player, right? Or playing a pickup game of basketball and believing like I can, I can do something with this, right? You know, I don't think people realize like how amazing childhood is. Yeah, when you truly believe you can be all those things, and the reality is, at that moment, you still can. Yeah, no doubt. If you make the right decisions along the way. Yep. You know, so which leads back to uh, to Gordon in that sense. How the hell did he know at 14, 15 years old he was going to be that great? Who the fuck knows? He might have had a witch doctor talk to him in the middle of his sleep Seriously. or something. But I like to believe that I still held on to that even at 37 years old. Yeah. That I'm still kind of like, I can do that. Yeah. Why not? I, I, I think the thing that I miss the most about, about it, about that time frame is just, it's gone. That, that it, like, I hate to think that it was gone. Yeah. Like my life is now at this point and I still remember, I still know what it feels like to be 15. I still yeah. remember what it feels like to be 10 even. Yeah. To, like see a, to like see a boob on TV and get a boner. Yeah. Or like, like what? Those are boobs. Yeah. I miss getting excited for boobs. Yeah. I mean, I still get excited, but not the way I did when I was 12. <laughs> exactly. I remember when I was 12 years old, like we had the, we, I'm not, we, we had like the black box where you got all the channels for free. Mm -hmm. And I remember my friend and I like watching barbed wire. Because we knew that Pamela Anderson Pamela showed Anderson her boobs in the, in the beginning. Yeah. And I remember we saw the intro and I was like, oh my. <laughs> it was just like raw sexuality Absolutely. coursing through my body. Yeah. yeah, Dude, I saw that movie like six months ago. I was like, oh, let me see the intro. And I'm like, I got excited for this. <laughs> this is the worst I'm fucking like, movie I've ever seen like, in my life. This? I'm like, this intro is <laughs> not all that. You barely see nipple. But at 12. Oh, you're killing. Oh my God. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, like I remember finding my dad's Playboy stash. And that was... Uh, and all the pages were stuck together. They became stuck together. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm not proud of that. Because think about this. Like my dad knew they were there. And he, let's say, he, he tucks in and looks at a few of them. But he's like, what the f... Yeah. <laughs> like this stuck... To and he knows it was me. Yeah, but there's, it's like... There's a little boy. Me and my ha, stupid ha, ha, mind. Ha, 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 having a gila. <laughs> <laughs> Mazel tov. <laughs> Oy vey. <laughs> that was a good one. There you go, brother. All right, guys. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the show. Bye-bye.